Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Break the Rules live stream. We have two newcomers to the stream never seen before. We have Eigenrobot and we have Stardust. Thank you so much, guys, for coming in. Really appreciate it. Love you guys. And I'm so happy that we have a robot here for the first uh, time, Eigenrobot. Uh, and Stardust, you are not a robot. You are a lady with a very beautiful tiger in your profile, and you are a uh, live streamer doing very similar things to what BTR is doing. What mm -hmm. I and uh, by the way, there is a little bit of uh, not echo going on and a little bit of noise. I wonder who it's from, so I'm going to mute one of you guys and see if that works. Uh, it is not that. It is maybe Eigenbot. It is not Eigenbot. Is it Geo? Let's see if it's Geo. It is Geo. There we go. Now we know. So Geo, there was a situation going on with your uh, mic. Let's see what it is. We are going to work it out. Anyway, listen, everybody. The dimensional merge is at hand because a lot of people from the Twitch community, from uh, I guess the more left-leaning Twitch community, and we're going to get into this as we uh, as we get talking. I want there to be a merge with them and the audience of BTR. Because I think for too long, people have been segregated in their own bubbles, and it's time to pop these bubbles. No, no. Yes, no. yes. Slava Ukraina. Slava Ukraina. No, it is no, happening. It is happening I'll right now. It is happening right, na right here and right now. But anyway, I want to start this conversation off by first asking uh, Eigenrobot, uh, what is it like to be a real robot, a real-life robot? Technology's come a long way. And uh, what brought you into this uh, particular environment uh, on Twitter? And we're going to get into Elon Musk later on, but first Eigenrobot and then Stardust. So go for it, my friend. And everybody subscribe. All the new people, subscribe right now. Put up, put up, put up. Anyway, go for it. Yeah, man. Um, okay, being a robot is fantastic. There's occasional discrimination that does occur, usually when you're trying to sign up on a website. And, you know, you have to deny yourself, which is... It's unpleasant. It's unpleasant to have to affirm that you are not a robot when you are. And um, but but things like that aside, you know, you probably know a robot in your real life, and you you know you just never know. It, it doesn't come out. Um, we're we're quite advanced. Um, how did I come onto Twitter? Is how adult is this pod? Is the is this stream? Would you say extremely? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was I, I was a grad student, and long story short, about a decade ago, I built the world's largest database um, about black markets, commercial black markets for sex, and I did this online, and I was you know doing this for my thesis, and um, you know it wasn't a market I knew very much about, and I wanted to kind of get more information and, and develop some context for the data that I was looking at, so I signed up on Twitter and just started following a bunch of sex workers. And that's how my account started. True story. Go look at my tweets from like 2013. Wow. What was the uh, environment of these sex workers? And I don't want to get into uh, Stardust, but uh, what was the general vibe that you got from these sex workers? And how does it also translate to the kind of communities you're uh, looking at right now? Oh, you know, very different. Um, a lot of them were activists. It was sort of a, um, you know, the, it, it was more of an activist space basically, I think is the best way to describe it. You know, it's, it's illegal. And um, so they tended to organize around that, um, around their own safety, from police, from clients, whatever. Um, and then, you know, back then, I think more efforts for, for decriminalization or legalization, which subtle differences, they, they had strong opinions about which were optimal. Um, not sure how they're doing now. I've stopped paying so much attention to it. And it seems like the, the vibe has shifted far away from that. So mm. 
And uh, one comment over here from Matthew W. Speaking of which, everybody, sneed your super chats over to BTR, and they're going to show up on the screen. It's a new month. It's May, so it's empty right now. We've got to fill that up. So there would be a new king or queen of the super chat eventually. So uh, the comment over here from Matthew is, is this the man responsible for ruining Backpage for us? So before I get to Stardust, can you uh, <laughs> confirm that? No, no, I was not. I don't. I, I was very diligent about not stressing out the servers. Uh, Backpage got taken down because, God, I can't remember. I think they arrested the founders and CEOs, Sossman. I, I don't know how far the prosecutions went. I think it was a total shit show. Um, but there were there were attorneys general in some states who were very aggressive about trying to prosecute the owners of Backpage for you know various various crimes, real and imagined, and. Um, Police were actually against it because the guys running Backpage were also very cooperative with police. The, the compromise was something along the lines of like, look, okay, so people are going to advertise here and that's fine. We would prefer they do it on Backpage where, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a situation where the people running it are actually cooperating with police for cases of like minors being trafficked and that sort of thing. Hmm. Um, and then there were a couple of attorneys general who, you know, wanted to make a career out of, you know, taking down Backpage and fighting the trafficking you know, epidemic, which way outside the scope of this, the, this stream, but like, um, is, is maybe not as extant as people thought it was back in 2013, 2014. Anyway, long story short, it's not my fault. Blame the cops. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, would you consider yourself part of the, um, what would you call a rationalist, neo-rationalist community? Less wrong. You come from that milieu wagon? Yeah. Yes. And no. I mean, I think there were a lot of people in the, in the space that I'm in who, who came through the internet as rationalists at one point or another, I'm, I'm old and I've been on the internet a lot longer than probably not. Yeah. Probably longer than Yudkowsky in some ways. Um, mm. But no, you know, I mean, I moved through that space. I, I was moving in adjacent spaces before rationalism came around. Um, I was never, never part of the core rat community truly. And there, there was a large group, small, in retrospect, called the the post rationalists, who were I think most active from, say, 2014 through maybe 2016, 2017, and I was much more um, kind of up in their business than than the rationalists proper. But it's it's kind of a, a larger group with a lot of overlap, and mm. you know I, I I would say that I come out of that milieu. Mm. Hmm. Now, before I uh, get to uh, Stardust, I'm going to refresh my screen because apparently I turned into a ghost right now. And uh, I'm going to tell everybody while I'm refreshing, subscribe. For the life of me, I need to plead to all the new people who are listening here that because we're doing this dimensional merge, you must subscribe. Subscribe to BTR right now. Anyway, we are back. Stardust, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started and doing what you are doing right now. Oh, unmute yourself. And everybody subscribe. Once Is again. my mic yes. good, by the way, Love? Or? Yes. Good, good, good. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm Stardust. Um, so I, I kind of started doing the Twitch politics thing um, uh, uh, after I saw other people, like, yelling on, on discords. And I, I started joining random discord calls and yelling at people. Um, and eventually we moved on to, like, streaming it. And I was joining panels and yelling at people. Um, uh, so yeah, it just kind of took off like randomly. I didn't think I, I didn't expect it to, uh, really take off, but then, um, then I started panel hosting, uh, and people seemed to like the kind of like rage moderation style. So, um, 
So yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, that's pretty much all I can say is that, um, you know, I was just interested in politics and um, interested in, in kind of, yeah, putting on a show, yeah. so. Now, I want to dissect the uh, circles that we're in a bit, which is why I think having uh, Eigenrobot is great here, because uh, Eigenrobot being a robot is very analytical, looking at these things a little bit from afar here. S but before I get to Eigenrobot, I want to get Stardust's opinion. Uh, what uh, happened with Counterpoints, uh, great guest uh, who is going to be returning later on, was kind of a revelation on uh, his part when it came to uh, the kind of conversations that uh, Gio and the do good doctor, Dr. Ben Braddock, had on that last stream. You remember, Gio. You remember what was going on there. Where you that stream with the counterpoints? Uh, well, there's a lot of different things, but the overall vibe was very different from the one that he says is oh, on yeah, Twitch. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, uh, something related to, like, uh, Bantu and nuclear weapons and all that kind of stuff. It was <laughs> it was very, very, very interesting. Mm. But the overall vibe that he got was that this stuff would not really be within the uh, mindset of a lot of the Twitch political streamers. And a lot of the political streamers on Twitch are actually very scared. According to him, I don't know if that's true or not. You could tell me more, Stardust. But they're very scared of having like a lot more right-leaning people who are, you know, on more of this reactionary end. Like there are some people who definitely do come on. Like I know Lauren Southern, she comes on some of the streams. But at least according to Counterpoints, there is still this... Uh, you know, this uh, separation between these two sides. So I know Stardust, is Counterpoints right? Is he wrong? What do you think? I think, um, you know, I think he's he's generally pretty right. Um, there are a couple of different spheres within that. There's like the, the Twitch kind of more liberal sphere who don't really mind, you know, talking to anybody, talking to conservatives, lefties, whatever. Um, generally, I fall into that group. And then there are like far lefties um, who are also fine with talking to everybody. And then there are like super far lefties who... Um, seem to dislike having anybody right of them on the platform. So I'm basically considered a fascist to them. <laughs> so, uh, which is, uh, crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, some of them are afraid to talk to people more right leaning than them. Um, some of them think that if you allow one person on who's too far right, uh, it's just going to turn into like, um, a cesspool of Nazis, which is just like a, such a ridiculous thought. Um, so, yeah, um, I think he's he's definitely correct in that. Um, and like, especially with the amount of um, how loud those people are that oppose having anybody right of them on the platform, um, it can be hard for anybody else to kind of like get their say in. So. Mm. Well, that's happening right now in terms of the Biden administration with this new so-called Ministry of Truth that uh, he is propping up at the same time that Elon Musk took over Twitter. So this was the initial reason for the conversation, although because of the news, Geo, I'm sure like you're very uh, happy with what's uh, happened recently. We are going to get into that. Uh, if it's OK with Eigenrobot, we would go, uh, go into that as well towards well, the end. That... Yeah, sure. Yeah. A controversial take is that I think in some ways they're kind of um, they're kind of correct in the sense that it seems when you do have um, any unregulated space, uh, it tends to drift more rightward. I don't know why. I mean, don't make any statements on that, but 
I think that Twitch viciously polices itself to the point where they'll kick off someone like Destiny. Um, I think probably they're scared of that. The way that uh, to yeah. open up the floodgates would be. Uh, well, well, I have a question for uh, I have a question for Eigen Robot in relation to that, Geo. Do you think that if the floodgates were opened, more people like Geo said would go towards the right, or do you think that less people would get into the fringes, both right or left, if there's more of an exchange of uh, uh, theoretically open dialogue, and there wouldn't be as much of what I think contributed a lot to the more extreme elements of the right uh, gaining prominence, which, like that whole meme with the uh, NPC on it, where the guy says, you radicalized me, there is this idea of the left being the primary, like the corporate left being the primary driver of a lot of right-wing, uh, well, ultra-right-wing uh, 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 dissent. So I don't know, I can robot, what do you think of that? I don't know. I mean, like, okay, so... I think that historically spaces have usually ended up being pretty right or pretty left and you, it, but, but just by an organic process. Right. I mean, like just people being driven off in one direction or the other. And, and, and right now you look at a place like Twitter, what certainly seemed to happen between 20, say 16, when they started really clamping down on stuff and, and today is a lot of the people who are on the site specifically to antagonize blue checks ended up getting kicked off because they were extremely good at antagonizing blue checks. Blue checks are good for business. They were. <laughs> um, and so now if that's loosened, will they come back? I mean, you know, on Twitter, almost surely because the blue checks are still there, regrettably. But, you know, as far as like another platform, I don't know. It feels it feels hard to apply lessons from one place to another. And there's I mean, there there are a lot of ways this could swing. So I don't have a strong prediction. Well, before uh, we get into more of the predictions, do you think in general that people were who are now in more of a reactionary uh, circle? And you guys in the chat, by the way, feel free to let me know what you think of this as well. Do you think oh, they will. Were, they oh, will. they will. Oh, they will. <laughs> do you think that people who were in this reactionary are in this reactionary circle are in it for the most part because of this threat that they see from the left kind of like the idea that there wouldn't have been a hitler if there wouldn't have been all of this uh uh rabid dangerous communism going on in the weimar republic that a lot of people sought hitler to be the uh, uh only way to stop it like i'm curious what you think of that no i don't know i mean it seems like people are mostly in politics because it's something to do you know like same reason people like you know join boiling leagues or whatever it's like, yeah, you know, get together with the guys, like shoot, shoot, shoot the shit and like, you know, dunk on some people and, and have a few beers, call it a night. Um, I, I would say that like people in politics, that's that's 90% of it. Hmm. I see that as well. But if not for, I think, a lot of the antagonism going on from the uh, corporate media, I don't think people would have as much venom towards the blue checks in other words like it seems like that idea that we are above it all and we control the algorithm and we control you that i think does drive people more towards an extreme right position or extreme left in certain circumstances but stardust what do you think um so uh, regarding like the uh 
reactionary. I mean, I think people just, I think Ivan Robit's probably right about that. I think people just hang out with groups that they hang out with because the, um, it's a social gathering. Um, a lot of people will hang out with, um, with people who initially they think are different views of them. And as they get like closer and closer to those people, they end up like defending those beliefs and believing in them more. Um, and yeah, it is something to do. Um, it's kind of like a, um, for a lot of people, just like a team to be a part of, unfortunately. So, yeah, I think I think it's definitely a lot like that. But it's never really been quite as much as it is right now in the past. I don't want to be looking through rose-colored glasses, but it seems like back then, you know, people had hobbies. People had other things that they did with the company of other people. And now everybody is incredibly politicized. I mean, as much as I support Ukraine, I also understand this uh, thing. How do you say it, Gio? You know, like the current thing. I support the current thing. Uh, there... Well, spectacle, current thing. Yeah, 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 the spectacle. Yeah, so there is this tendency for people to just climb on the spectacle partly, you're right, because they have nothing uh, better to do. But also, how much of these people do you think like if a worst comes to worst, would be able to have any kind of uh, revolutionary thoughts and be able to uh, do something with it as opposed to just sitting down. Like, do you think we're at an age right now where we're not going to have any of these revolutions anymore? Everybody's just plugged in, like you said, friendship simulator, and we're not going to get anything more violent than maybe some LARPers coming in and, you know, doing some uh, rallies for fun and that's it. I know, Eigenrobot and then Stardust. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I just don't really see that much of it. You know, you look at the, you look at what happened in, um, in twenty twenty, and that was, I, I don't think it was particularly organized, right? Like it was basically swarm behavior, and that is something that you know can grow very quickly and be unpredictable. But you know, it's not, it's not organized by any means, and I don't think there's a ton of staying power with that sort of thing. And I mean, like. Do I actually believe anyone in the United States is organized like that? Nah, not really. I mean, you know, if, if you if you want to talk about fascism, right? Like, go go and look at the amount of organization and and like deliberate structures that existed in Russia. Uh, that's you know, Leninist, but fine. Like in Russia, in Germany, in Italy, whatever you like. I mean, these were huge organizations that had quite a lot of order and long term planning, and and there's just nothing like that in the United States. There's no mass membership groups like that that would actually be able to carry out a revolution like that at all well there is the met gala there are certain organizations out there where you get a lot of the uh, pmcs the uh what managerial class is that the uh professional the professional thank you you have the I mean, professional met gala yeah. is just like a it's just a social gathering really i don't see anything coming out of that so not the Met Gala itself, but more of the idea that the people who attend these kind of events, I mean, except for, I guess, like Elon Musk or something, that they do have the same mindset as far as the kind of future they want to live in. And the question always gets brought up of uh, how more extreme would they go? Like, what is the thing that's driving a lot of these uh, a lot of these movements? And is there a certain point where they say, OK, guys, that's yeah, it. We're not going to go. I actually forward. don't think that people attending the Met Gala have like common views. Like you see it, it like even down to like the Scientologists, like, um, uh, you know, talking about leaving the room when um, Leah Romini is taking um, uh, a, like a, an award for something like these are all these people in attendance are people who like disagree with each other um, in show business quite often and on political and religious levels quite often 
That's interesting. I mean, I never really thought that uh, everybody's thinking the exact same way, but there are still certain things that have been, at least until think, right now, reinforced. I mean, if right? some of them are Scientologists, we know that some of them are Scientologists. We know that they don't think the same thing, right? They they don't believe in, like, gay marriage. They don't believe in, like, um, uh, like um, progressive values, things like that. Um, and there are plenty of, like, even, even with that being said, like, these are all, like, celebrities that have, pro a lot of them have progressive values you still see that um roe versus wade uh being overturned and i think that's evidence that even when the right isn't in power they're still able to exert significant influence on the country well since you I, mentioned that yeah let's go yeah. into roe Ro versus wade and uh geo your thoughts on well, Ro versus all, wade yeah i think the, the problem is like eigen is correct in that there's a difference between the 20th century sort of style of millenarian politics which has in some ways led to the politicization of all life where politics is a team sport, politics becomes entertainment, politics becomes uh, very much the mode of being as opposed to religiosity or culture or something else. But in the same way it was different in that you had vanguard parties, you had mass movement organizations. But like, for example, you mentioned the Met Gala or with, you know, typical celebritards or whatever. I think that it's more of like they are part they're a part and parcel of sort of compartmentalized uh, entities within the PMC or whatever you want to call it, right? They are part of the, in other words, they're an integral part of the empire, but they're not really, they can have political dissent, but I think that it it's different when you have an organization that functions as a social technology as opposed to a vanguard party or a movement. Mm. Like, I don't think that Hollywood in particular is part of a movement, but they're rather part of, uh, a network of systems. But that being said, like with Roe versus Wade, I think that what it is is a culmination of um, one of the only effective and long lasting um, organizational capacities on the political right, which is number one, abortion, number two, uh, gun control or lack of, well, you know, against gun control. So I think it's really a development of a lot of forces and um, it's really just come to a head. Uh, off the back of literally work for the past 50 years since uh, was it 50 years since Roe versus Wade came about 75 so I think that um, it's a rare exception on the political right because it seems that when it comes to politics on the right um, it's much more of like a decentralized I would say avant-garde as opposed to like a quote-unquote movement because mm. is like Greg Johnson in the same movement as Bronze Age Pervert no like is it mm. Like you wait, wait, we we asked this to counterpoints. I'm gonna ask this to Stardust. Yeah, Stardust, yeah, yeah. do you know who Bronze Age Pervert is? Mm -mm. One oh, more, boy. one oh. more, Geo. There we go. So we're gonna to have to explain. Oh, what, but I uh... think like it's another thing too. I think it's the impossibility of policing. I mean, I, I think that maybe Stardust. You, I was gonna call you. Stardust, well, no, no. There's actually. there's a lot. We should have Stardust gone. Actually. Yes, but, uh, there's a lot to break down you, here. No, but yes, I was gonna so, ask about the politics of Twitch because on Twitter. And sort of like the uh, Twitter, Telegram, Chan culture, right? It's very much the impossibility of policing. I mean, I know that, um, for example, someone on this panel right now, Eigen, is viciously criticized by the right wing on Twitter and almost ritually. And um, that's why I brought him on. But then at the same time, though, there are people that still manage to orbit. And I, I don't know if like the... You know, I don't know if like you're saying sort of... the right is more tolerant than no, the no. Left. I'm saying that the right is more tolerant, but I'm saying that 
there is less mechanisms of severity when it comes to trying to quote unquote police the borders because we can't even police ourselves, frankly. I mean, that's mm. police you, the you what? I mean? I'm like, sorry, the borders. No, no, I mean like the borders of like the group of the discourse on the online right. It's just it's a decentralized network. It's that's why I call it an avant-garde. It's really just like cults of personality upon each other. Let's face it. Uh, if you're talking about the online, right, I guess I, I wouldn't really relate that to like the Roe versus Wade. Um, just like I would never c consider anybody on the online left, like any way related to like real life policy. Right. Um, mm -hmm. uh, people on, on the online left and the online right and center or whatever, generally they're just doing more like culture war stuff really. And they're more, more arguing about policies. But as far as like those policies getting passed, I don't think they have really any um, any any uh, influence in that area. I think they have an influence on public opinion, but regardless, of, like when it comes down to policy, like that's um, that has to do with like who got out and voted, who who elected their people, um, and uh, that's that's pretty much it. Um, as far as like the online right, um, uh, I I would say recently after interacting with so much of the online right and so much of the online left, I think there's an equal amount of infighting on the online right as there is on well, the online left. They are fucking cannibalizing each other, and I am staying out of it. Mm. I, I, well, can yeah. you give us uh, some examples? With, uh, Beardson, that was quite, mm. uh, that was hilarious, actually. <laughs> uh, uh, America well, First is a good example of a cannibalization, but that, oh, mm. I cut yeah, you off started. Um, no, it's all good. Um, yeah, I mean, you you know, you've got like the wig gnats and the, and the gripers who have some intersection but then they're also they also hate each other. Then oh, you've yeah. got like the Christian nationalists who also are like um, who also dislike the Wignats um, for everything they stand for and also dislike the Groypers for everything that they stand for. And um, and yeah, like all of these groups are fighting with each other. Um, and that's just on the far right. Um, uh, th then you've got like the moderate right who doesn't get along with like the far right. Uh, you got the moderate like the you know, generally the moderate center uh, you know, center, center, right, center, left, who generally get along with each other. And then, um, and then you've got the far left who, um, also just police, um, all the different groups in, in the far left. So, yeah. Um, is there I, infighting I think, on the far left though? Like, does, yeah, uh, there is. I, mean, hate, uh, I don't know who, well, I mean, um, like definitely there's infighting on the far left. Um, I, I feel like I, I experience that a lot. Um, <laughs> where the the far left on Twitch gets really mad at me and calls for like mm. mass uh, reporting of me. But um, well, well, that does bring up a comment over yeah. here by Jay Ends who says, and by the way, guys, super chat these comments as well. Need those super chats? Who says you can't get kicked out of the right? If you get kicked out of the left, you're automatically right. Stardust, do you agree with that? I I don't agree with that. I think you can get kicked out of the right, and maybe you can be be apolitical. Same thing with the left. You can you can go to like being an apolitical person, but um, but uh, I wouldn't say getting kicked out of the left makes you right. I think it just makes you um, a target, I guess, because you just don't believe in all the same things. So, mm. well, well, Igan, your yeah. experience with the online right hasn't been a good one, my friend. <laughs> no, so, I, I disagree. <laughs> I've I I mean, look, okay. So occasionally I've tweeted things that have led to people losing their shit at me. And, and, you know, like occasionally it's been unpleasant, but for the most part, like I like most people in the online, right. And, you know, like I've gone to some of their parties and, and it's been a good time. Um, 
you know, there are certain people who are more tiresome than others, but you know, you find that in any group of people. Um, I think that the, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure well, if I really have a moral to that story. It, well, it does, it, 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 you know, like as far as actually getting kicked out of a group, I mean, like it does seem like there are not that many boundaries and, and it does feel like the right's more porous in that sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and, and there is some kind of uh, a more coordinated mechanism for, you know, um, shunning people on the left. And I don't quite understand how that works, but it does seem like it's there. But mm. do you think that the sort of, maybe let's not, um, let's abstract this a bit more than just political groups, but as someone who is in um, rationalist circles, so you, you talk a lot about um, group dynamics and game theory and so forth. And uh, how has just the sort of the template of the current like web, what are we in web 2.0, 3.0, I 3.0, 3.0, um, how like the sort of centralization of discourse upon a few different platforms, how that sort of affects the sum total output of like discourse itself or how people shape their own thoughts or interactions online. Like, have you noticed, is there a way to quantify it? In other words, although I askew any quantification of anything, because I'm grug-pilled, but is there a way to quantify how people are interacting now as opposed to, say, the Usenet days or so, or the forum culture, Chan culture, Reddit culture? Oh, oh no, yeah. Reddit is not anonymous, but, like, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's much different now. Like, okay, the, the centralization is one major thing, um, and and that has had the effect of, you know, throwing just about everybody in, in any kind of given space together. Like, you know, you look at something like Facebook where there are what almost 3 billion monthly users. I mean, that that's just straight up everybody. And, you know, within, within these broader networks, there are little sub networks, little niches, different nodes. There, there's an entire field of, um, you know, graphical analysis that looks at social graphs and, and is in fact able to, you know, go and identify specific little, little subsections of a larger network. You can, you've seen visualizations like this, surely, like the, the ones with the Twitter abbeys, they're all bundled yeah. up or spread out. And it's, I mean, it's a lot of fun, um, statistically speaking, but you know, the, the things in, in practical terms, if we go away from the, the math side of it, um, the big things that have happened is that has been a concentration where everybody is going at once. Um, and then the implementation of algorithms on top of that, right? So one thing that's been mentioned to me is that Twitter is actually very good at letting, at not only letting people curate their own networks, but also reinforcing those networks and showing other people in those networks content for people that are likely to be in that network themselves, um, causing the the sort of generation of, you know, lots of little sub communities. So I mean, algorithms like both squish and and, and spread out. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, as far as downranking and stuff, I, I I think I think top-down attempts to control content are not necessarily having any effect on the way the different communities are forming. I I don't honestly mm. think they're affecting discourse that much either. Although I mean, the mind of the normie is an eternal mystery. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's much different. The the other thing that is directly related to Web One or Web two in terms of the the infrastructure that i think is pretty important is the fact that everybody has a smartphone i mean before 2007 2008 the internet was still a relatively niche thing lots of people were on it but there was pretty heavy selection into it and for a lot of sites that were more social you know you actually had to go out of your way to get there and, and actively participate and and now i mean they're the old may remember this idea of eternal september where on the very old internet 
every September, there was a wave of new users who came on with the new semester. You know, students going to school, suddenly they're participating in these forums and they just did not understand the norms. And so September was understood to be this awful time in internet spaces because there were a ton of people who were just running wild, like, you know, kids at a party and 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 not participating well. And then, you know, over the next year, they would they would acclimate and they would get used to internet norms and you would have peace again. But then, then in September, this happened again. And what happened in the 90s with America Online that brought a huge number of new users onto the web was what was then known as Eternal September. There was just this constant stream of people coming onto the internet who did not understand how the, you know, the, what the existing culture was like, and they completely overran it. And, you know, um, it never really quite got back to the old, old days, but it, the, the early aughts were a pretty good time on the internet, all things considered. Yeah. Mm. And um, what happened with smartphones is that suddenly really, really everybody got on Hyper the September. Yeah. And it was, it was eternal September all over again. Um, so fuck you, Steve Jobs. <laughs> For uh, 4chan, they have a similar term, but it's summer instead of September, I guess, because a lot of the kids who uh, aren't in school anymore, they just go on 4chan. So that's what they consider to be the same the summer kind of... thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, summer yeah, 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 posting. But, uh, Regarding more of the uh, issues here of uh, liberalism and turning away from it, there is a very nice thread that uh, Eigen made, to, uh, and I sent this to Sardis as well, where you say, I'm not part of the right, goes without saying. I'm not part of the right partly because I'm basically liberal in temperament and partly because I'm deeply skeptical of joining anything. There are other reasons as well. Liberals should consider open critiques of liberalism. So this last point, I think, is a very important one because the reason why I mentioned the uh, Met Gala, it's not to say, Stardust, that there aren't Scientologists there and other people who would disagree, but uh, Geo, when using terms like the Empire, I think what he means by that is that there is still this overall consensus in you know like yes there was this roe versus weight thing right now but there is still in academia in media there's far more likelihood that they would join up with a lot of the twitch politics people like Hassan, for instance they would treat him better than they would treat somebody who goes against that narrative as far as media exposure as far as things of that nature and i think that that does put classic uh, liberals in a way in danger because they're not really, like uh, Eigen said, they're not really standing up for their principles. They're letting themselves be run over by much more leftist extremists. So I don't know, Eigenbot, is there anything that well, I'm missing here like from this? You like to go to Wine Bar and you enjoy tasteful banter. That's your problem. <laughs> oh. I, I mean, yes. uh, it, really, it really depends because a lot of these um, people that you're talking about were people who supported Hillary Clinton, who was like pretty moderate, um, not not super far left. Um, uh, so um, people like Hassan, I, I think he's really more of like a socialist for the aesthetic. I don't think he's actually a socialist. I don't think he understands anything that he says or he understands very little of what he says. Um, uh, and he understands significantly less now than he used to. Um, so I don't know. Incredible. He said the word. <laughs> Sorry, Stardust. Uh, no, it's all good. Um so I, I don't know about like this like empire, um, but I mean, you guys were just talking about the early 2000s and what the Internet was like then. I'm sure anybody who, who came onto the Internet in the early 2000s who wasn't like um, like a, a dude. Right. Like a, if like a woman came onto the Internet in the early 2000s probably felt like this was an empire, too. Does that make it an empire, though? 
Well, an empire in which sense? Because as far as the people who were heading up, you know, uh, I don't know, all the various educational institutions at the time, I don't think they were as, I wouldn't say conspiring, but they weren't as on board with things having to do with uh, trans issues and things having I mean, to do with the early uh, critical race theory. The early 2000s was um, very hostile to women and to minorities on the Internet, um, like whether we want to like acknowledge it or not. Right. And, you know, say what you will about like what it was like. Right. Um, uh, you know, like it was a lot of edgy humor, which is fine. I'm very edgy myself. But um, but to somebody who's like not used to that type of humor, somebody who's like not any of those categories, probably walking into that space was um, uh, felt like they were walking into an empire that was working against them. Right? I feel like I, I disagree to the extent that there there were woman posters on the old days of the internet when anonymity was the main vector by which you you could uh, communicate. I feel that uh, my my good friend on Twitter, Impossible Princess, she talks about this how there were women spaces on the sort of old forum cultures, but they were much more confessional. They were very. Um, I guess the term is like femcel now, but like, I mean, it seems that internet dynamics have changed with the advent of the smartphone being able to provide an easier way to quote unquote post face. And then in some ways the dynamic has shifted to where not just that um, women are like more welcomed on the internet, but rather the dynamics itself is sort of um, become so that uh, like social media in particular is, I would say, coded towards the feminine in a lot of ways. It's certain Maybe. social media sites, certainly. Um, I think the way that things like Twitter work, it, um, I mean, these are like private businesses at the end of the day, right? Like um, Facebook, Twitter, all of these like social media sites. So um, they're probably going to want to curate their user base a bit uh, to what they think their company values look like. And if that means that they're um, like, if that means that they have TOS guidelines that, you know, are, are stricter on people who are like edgier, I guess that's what that means. Right. Um, I'm not like a huge fan of like censorship myself, but, um, but at the end of the day, like if there's like, um, if there's like a, a, a private business that, that I walk into and, and that business is like around, like, um, I don't know, selling baby clothes and I'm in there and I'm yelling about how children suck. I hate children. Children suck. Uh, they're probably not going to want me in their business. Right. Yeah. So, Someone but then there's the question. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's glass cake, one says, of the only women on Newgrounds was, uh, my friend, Emily, you kiss. And we all oh, know. That. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, he says over here, uh, let's see, let me scroll up. Glass cake says who cares if Newgrounds and 4chan was bigoted in 2003, there was like two women on those sites back then. <laughs> I mean, so, I think that's the point. Woman is, no, but here, but here's the here's the interesting thing. If we're talking about something as the default public square, the important question is, as far as rights go, do you give rights for people to kind of like negative rights and people being able to express whatever it is they feel, even though certain people may come uh, offended from that, or do you take away the ability for people to speak so that a certain percentage of people will not be offended? It depends on whether you view Twitter as a public square. So if you do view it as a public square, 
then sure, you're going to want to have like anybody say whatever they want. If you view it as like a business, you're trying to protect your your um, like profits, right? Um, and a significant amount, like um, like a high percentage of your user base is female or a high percentage of your user base are like marginalized people, you're probably going to make the sacrifice to cut off like, you know, this small percentage of people who are incredibly like saying incredibly edgy things. Um, so you can maintain that larger user base that's making you money. Right. It's just, mm. it comes down to money at the end of the day. I think but that's d- just does really it, though. all it is. Yeah. Here's, here's the antithesis. I mean, now that Twitter was sold, uh, you may be more right, but there was still to give a little bit of pushback here. There was still a lot of pushback from uh, Twitter to prevent it from being sold there was that whole poison pill scenario it almost seems like they didn't care initially as much of you know how much money can we make it was more like we want to do whatever it is in our power to secure this thing to not give it to somebody who may misuse it even though they could have made initially and they ended up making a lot of money like why the hesitation then you see what i'm saying like it almost seems um, like there is sure. something there uh, so that might be more of like a long-term investment versus like a short-term profit kind of thing right um i can't really speak into the the like uh, the details of that and why that happened um because I, I don't really understand like um everything around that but um i think we could just kind of um uh kind of like probably look at at what that poison pill was meant to do if it was it was uh was it meant to um to maintain control over the platform or was the poison pill meant to just drive profits up well, even with uh, the media reactions to it, it's very different from when Jeff Bezos, for example, bought Washington Post. There is an obvious bias as far as people well, who Washington are in these. Washington Post is different from Twitter. Washington Post is not a is not like a public platform that anybody uses for like social media, right? The Washington Post is a journalistic organization, um, and you've got like a bunch of journalists working there. Um, whereas Twitter is quite literally just anybody and their grandmother can join and, and post whatever they want. Well, it is a public, like it is a letter of records. I think that I personally think the legacy uh, thing is bullshit nowadays because most media companies are terrible, but they still have a sort of aura around. Um, it is the letter of record for literally the most, I mean, arguably, well, we'll see what happens in the coming decades, but the most important country in the world, I think that it does lend to a certain prestige the way that the New York Times was bought by, was it Carlos Slim Lev or who was mm, it? Yeah, I think so. Car- not so slim, he doesn't by own the it way. Now, does he? Does he still Ironically. Own it? I, oh, uh, I think so. But, uh, but Eigen, yeah. Eigen, what do you think of that situation, though? Do you think that uh, there were so many attempts made when Elon originally proposed buying Twitter to prevent him from buying Twitter because of money? Or do you think that there is this underlying ideological uh, component going on here where they are afraid that the narrative, the conversation is going to change and they're not going to be able to suppress certain things that let's face it, like with the Hunter Biden situation with that laptop that was suppressed by uh, Twitter, there were other shadow bans that were made. So there's definitely something going on here beyond money, in my opinion. But uh, I don't know, Eigen, what do you think? Oh, sure. I mean, like, you know, whenever corporations are potentially going to be taken over, there's often quite a lot of resistance from existing management. And I mean, like, you know, the I, I don't know that you need to necessarily fall back on a story about, you know, some kind of conspiracy to control the flow of information. Although you, you could, and like I don't think that's a crazy idea. But I mean, you know, the the way that Elon is talking about it, he would be firing everybody on the board and paying them zero, 
And, you know, a lot of management will probably get the ax. And so I think they were probably pretty highly motivated just by financial and status concerns to, to resist some kind of a takeover. I think you, you don't even need to rely on a story like that, though, because in the, the fact of the matter is, um, as far as making money the, at the intersection of making money and considering how to set terms of use for platforms, um, you know, it, an uncomfortable reality is that while the government may not regulate speech directly, it does have quite a lot of power over other aspects of how firms are regulated. Um, partly as a consequence of Wickard v. Filburn, worst Supreme Court decision in history. Look it up. Wickard v. Filburn. Hate it. Um, that's my that's my shilling for this episode. Anyway, the moral of the story is like government has many ways in which they can regulate. And frankly, you know, if they want to regulate speech on a given platform, they don't need to just say you need to do this on your platform. I think it's probably quite enough to implicitly suggest that regulations are going to happen and maybe hint that it's, you know, partly because there's some bad action that's occurring on the platform. You know, it, it doesn't need to be direct at all. They can just change the terms of 230 via legislative act, possibly even by executive action. And then and then platforms are in deep shit. So, you know, to a sense, I think you can rely on relatively indirect, but probably still pretty powerful incentivization of platforms to, you know, coerce speech to occur within some some limited set of bounds um, and, and still have that be a matter of and, and have that be a matter of something that is making financial sense for a given firm in that regulatory context and yet you know not being something that the company would necessarily do in the absence of that you know to what? make money in the absence of that you know what i'm saying it's like shaping the financial incentives of a firm rather than yeah you know. well two things i again one would be uh if i i think that if they were to make um if they were to make it so that social media sites are essentially like journalist organizations and every poster is a quote unquote content creator that has certain editorial responsibilities. Um, that would be a fucking disaster. That would be the death of all discourse. It would be worse than Twitch. Um, so do you think they could possibly go down that route? And also I want you to maybe comment being the oldest of old hats here. Um, oldest of old F slurs, as they say, uh, <laughs> about the sort of early experiences of women on the internet. I, I do mm. think that Stardust uh, has a fair point though. I mean, the, the early internet very much was a, it was a male space, but a particular kind of male space, I think. And not, you know, I don't think the, uh, the chuds were on the internet yet. So it was more of like the sort of a, uh, the, the nerd sogeny, I believe Jezebel called it back in the day. But so maybe you could comment on that, but also the sort of content moderation thing if they were to turn it into quote unquote journalist organizations where, you know, if come Graper 1488 was posting uh, gamer words on Twitter, he would automatically be a quote unquote content creator. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, as far as the old internet is concerned, I think that's right. Like, you know, it, it was, it's maybe a little bit hard to convey what spaces that, that existed around, nerds were like in in the 90s and to a lesser extent in the early aughts i mean they, they were pretty toxic in exactly the ways ways you describe um they they weren't exclusive i don't think they were actively exclusive of women or you know kind of creedily misogynistic right like like it was just like people went in there and, and happened to be like that it wasn't like a, a deliberate agenda that was set out um there there were a number of women and 
you know, early gaming and internet who actually were pretty prominent, like a woman whose name I forget, um, huge, huge in history. Morgan Webb. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, Huge in the history of gaming. She she co-founded Sierra Online, um, did all the King's Quest games, which, I mean, you know, if you ever played old adventure games, you probably know what those are. And, you know, she was very successful, um, very involved in in everything in the industry for quite a long time before she retired in the late nineties. And, um, the thing was like, women like that tended to be, I mean, you know, they, they were relatively weird and I think unusual Mm. among women. And I think maybe better able to operate in a space like that. Mm. But yeah, I mean, that, that was all real. Um, but then what are the uh, trade-offs, uh, both uh, Stardust and, uh, Eigen, you'd say, with having the internet be now uh, more like Geo, if you agree with him, uh, more targeted towards the uh, female demographic. There is an interesting uh, quote, which uh, one of the people, I think Michael uh, uh, put in the chat, there's no such thing as women on the internet. Now that was an old 4chan thing, but uh, what that means, from what I understand, is that it's not like there aren't women, but when you're on an anonymous board like 4chan, for instance, it doesn't really matter as much whether or not you're a woman because people don't see you. So people are just going to judge you unless you're posting pictures. People are going to judge you according to what you say. So that does play a certain role in, uh, you know, the dynamics there. But I don't know, like, what would you say is the potential possibly downsides or if not downsides, transformations that have occurred and will still be occurring with this uh, shift of who the focus is on? Or you disagree that there is like more of a female focus, like Geo said. So I don't know, Stardust, you could uh, you could start this up. I, I do, I do want to say like Egan made a good point that like it wasn't necessarily like targeted um, uh, to to be like misogynistic, right? It just happened to be, right? And it could could it not be the same thing now, right? Where it's not it's not specifically targeting a female um, uh, demographic. It's just that more females are using a certain platform. So it just happens to um, naturally um, be in a way uh, that it's catering to that, to that larger audience. Do you feel that Twitch though, in particular, uh, seemingly uh, shaping, I guess, Zoomer politics, which is quite terrifying. um, It's in some ways like anti- I thought you were talking about Twitter though. Oh, we are talking about Twitter? Um, yeah, well, yeah. So Twitch, well, I would yeah. not say. Yeah, yeah, Twitch is more like I, when I talk about like like you know you're talking about like this being like targeted towards a female audience. Twitch is not one of those platforms. I would say that Twitter, yeah, Twitter definitely there's like a significant female audience, mm-hmm. and it just happens to to um, naturally because of the large female audience on there um, cater to that audience. It just makes sense like that. Just like in the early 2000s, um, the internet in general didn't really cater to a female audience. No, but what I mean is in terms of moderation, it seems that there's like immense like double standards and like people that know each other and it's very much like So how do you uh, what, what double standards would you would you say? Like there has been certain like female creators on Twitch or a certain like creators that fit a certain narrative that are not necessarily female that tend to like get away with murder and like uh and other people are like like our good friend Steve Bonnell is sort of like kicked off right away and now he's forced into the ghetto of Cozy TV. So it's like, I don't know, it seems... We were talking to our good friend Noah Hugbox about this, about how certain creators, I think because they know the moderation team or they know people that are prominent within Twitch, 
they can sort of like get away with more or you know like i mean that might be the case but hassan gets away with stuff all the time and hassan is a male right no yeah that's what i mean though not just women but like i mean well like twitch is weird because it has the top like ten creators are all males, yeah. by the way. Top well, no, 10 I, I, I don't think I don't think Geo's point really? was that it's all women. I think the point was that there is a certain aristocracy that no, is welcome. Like, it's weird to me, like from an outside observer, because I I don't go on Twitch. Like, it's like it does have like a certain degree of far far left politics, but at the same time, you have like what I would even perceive as like female objectification but you were initially just saying like uh, it was about women and now you're saying no it's not about women so so which is it i was was just saying that certain certain creators men and women uh, i mean i misspoke i misspoke i mean it's what i mean is like um there are certain women Mm. certainly who have gotten away with a lot on twitch there's certain men who have gotten away Mm. but i think it's it's very interesting how you have a platform that is sort of coded towards the far left but at the same time have like you know boob streamers that are like very objectified <laughs> towards you know. I, I i don't know i think that you're right in that twitch is very um incons- inconsistent in the way that it, it um enforces its rules i can agree with that um but uh, as far as like um as far as like how they enforce on males versus females i think it's it seems to be pretty across the board um seems to be pretty consistent um i think dudes can get away with have being shirtless on 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 stream if they wanted to as well um and so um and and that's actually something that woman probably couldn't get away with but um that that's besides the point um uh twitch politics being left and and um certain people like coordinating massive like um reporting the great brigades has nothing to do with the platform itself and their enforcement the enforcement i think is um it we can look at it and say it's inconsistent and we can say that like it's got a lot of flaws but i wouldn't say that it's tilted one way politically i would say it's more that um uh, it's about like the power of the people who who are most popular on the platform and those Mm. people just happen to be people like hassan people like keffels would it be uh, fair to say that when you have a platform that's uh, oriented more towards uh, male standards, there would be less things you would have to mind? You'd have to mind less P's and Q's, while on the other hand, if you I have think a platform... Twitch is, yeah. Twitch is, uh, so I'm going to disagree with you. I think Twitch is very um, uh, uh, accommodating to the male audience. The male audience is the majority of the audience. My audience on Twitch is majority male. Um, so majority of like, the people on, on Twitch are male. They are going to be catering to that male audience. That's how they make their money. Um, so I don't think that we would see much difference in Twitch. I think just Twitch's management is very inconsistent on how they enforce mm. their roles. But, uh, but, but catering on what, though? Because if you're talking about when it comes to boobs, things of that, you know, booba, things of that nature, that's, uh, I would agree with you there. What do you mean just far like as certain, social relationships? Well, uh, yeah, as far as, certain, yeah. as far as certain things that you are not allowed to talk about as much, for example, I don't know, migrants for example uh if you were to start talking race and iq we talk about we talk about immigration we've talked about you know we've talked Mm. about various political things if you start getting into like um straight up peddling misinformation like um like uh infrared then yeah you're gonna run into (laughs) into a problem oh come uh, on he that was bullshit i mean hey listen he was watching russia today he was sitting there watching russia today all of it is fact 
Oh, that's not compared compared to the Western. Uh, yeah. Never mind. No, never no, 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 Geo. You opened this can of worms. I'm gonna get oh, into that as well. I remember. Oh. I remember that. But okay, I understand. Oh, I understand your point that these things that these things are discussed. As far as let's say I don't know trans issues, for example, it seems to me like sure, on Twitch trans you... issues. Yes, there are quite a few trans creators on Twitch who are very popular, and if you and have a lot of like um, like group power, uh, and I think that more has to do with that fact that they're very popular and they're able to coordinate um, with each other and their their groups in getting somebody mass reported. I think that has so much more to do with that than Twitch as a platform. Um, like Twitch wants to be inclusive, obviously, because that's like part of their brand but as far as like the the talking about trans issues um and and the repercussions of talking about trans issues in a certain way yes there is something there 100 um but again that more has to do with like the popular creators and them like deciding to tell everybody to mass report somebody so but then mm. they also have like pull within twitch i mean didn't capitals basically destroy uh destiny's career on twitch more or less i mean that was she, well, I mean, that's exactly what I said, again. though. I like the that that's not like that's not mm. contrary to what I said. She's very popular, right? She's become very popular. Her her views are, are very popular, um, and so her being able to um, uh, get a bunch of like far left people on Twitch who are also very popular on Twitch to coordinate and mass report somebody that doesn't contradict mm. anything that I've just said. Mm. So the picture that I'm getting right now, Stardust, is that other than the situation with, uh, you know, trans people acting in this particular way, grouping together in order to take down the creator that would badmouth certain trans issues, it seems like a lot of these communities naturally form just from the people that are already there, as opposed to any concentrated conspiracy to get people yeah. to think certain... Okay, that's, uh, that's interesting. I tend to agree with that assessment as well, but at the same time, something still uh, irks me just about this whole this whole environment. I'm not sure how to exactly to put it into words, but like that phrase Geo just said right now, empire, that is still something that I want to get a little bit more into. Like, Geo, when you say empire, what exactly do you mean by that? Can you uh, draw it to, out? It's hard to describe because um, I think that in some ways, I mean, it's it's very simple to have just like an easy like thing like while our good friend Curtis Yarvin uh, saying like well it's the cathedral it's in some ways yes wait it, wait Sardis have you heard of that term the cathedral <laughs> all right Geo go for it oh man okay so this is Mole Bug's idea Curtis Yarvin's idea is that um, there are certain networks of power that at the same time and again I think. His big problem is that he actually doesn't read uh, various uh, French philosophers. That that's his flaw. He's very coming from from a very much Anglo empirical legalist uh, interpretation. But he believes that the reason why certain institutions um, call it the professional managerial class, why most people, not out of a sense of conspiracy, but out of a sense of coordination, how they tend to have similar worldviews and similar ways of doing things. He believes it's because it's sort of like a neo-religiosity where the university in particular becomes like a, uh, in, the, in the Islamic world, they call them madrasas. Here, us Christians call them seminaries. And so university, the university system itself informs the doctrine that other institutions and networks of power follow through on. 
So he comes up with this term, the cathedral, but I think there's problems with it because it's very like a lot of people on the far right, they sort of have become accustomed to criticizing Curtis now, which I am a critic of him as well in some ways, where they say that, well, it's not, they're not naming the real source of the problem, whatever that source of the problem is. I guess we can have some ideas about what certain people on the far right believe to be the source of the real problem. But <laughs> yeah, but I, I can also talk about that. How, the uh, idea is to sort yeah. of wrap, it's, it's a way of like wrapping your head around how various institutions, the people within them can believe similar things over time as a product of discourse rather than like a conspiracy of like, well, the Bilderberg group or the mm. uh, Lev's people control everything or whatever. Like, I think that's mm. a big problem in terms of like how you approach system theories of power is like, how do these people, because it does seem true that like most people in most high end institutions believe somewhat similar things even though they do have political disagreements and they, there is a lot of infighting but why is mm. it that they have the same view of how to mm. approach the rulership of like is this just the jq the no, no no i would be I, I, they, uh, yeah i don't know yeah. sounds a little bit like the jq guys no. so so start start us oh wait no, I, but the you JQ to, is uh... why the far right criticizes curtis yarvin because he doesn't uh Mm -hmm. well, okay, no, no, I gotta as being as being a fellow as being a fellow small hat tribes person over here in the flesh. Oh, I gotta I gotta speak out about this. So among the far right people, there's been time and time again, you know, pointing towards me and uh, saying a lot of things that you know nobody would appreciate. But I've grown a really thick skin towards. That being said, when it comes to analyzing patterns that people adopt in universities, be they, uh, you know, people from Norway or Sweden or Germany or wherever, there does seem to be particular patterns that people go into regardless of whatever their religion is, whatever their ethnicity, ethnicity is. So I don't like it when people would hold something like uh, my genetic origins as the shield to prevent any kind of discussion about this problem if it is a problem so that's why i want to make i want to make sure that we differentiate the accusations that people have towards uh, the uh, jewish people that i am a part of which are absolutely stupid ridiculous and eigen agrees with me on that these are things that i've been fighting against for a long time in the stream while at the same time being able to talk about these power dynamics that naturally occur over time when people are within media academia and so on do you see what I mean? I hope I'm being a little clearer here. Stardust. Uh, sure. I uh, so. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, so people have um like more influence over like media and universities, but they're but they don't happen to be Jewish. That's basically what you're saying is that they don't have to be Jewish. But, they yeah, yeah. they happen to go to the same institutions. They make friends with mm -hmm. other people who are within those institutions. And those, I would say, the Jewish people who are part of those groups happen to, in my experience at least, be self-hating Jews. They happen to be people that completely disregard a lot of the religious Jews. They happen to be people that are very anti-Israel. That's what I uh, find as well. So that's just my well, own personal view. Well, that's on, what uh, Yarvin is saying. I mean, Yarvin himself is Jewish, and he says that um, it's not a matter of a conspiracy. It's rather that certain ideas get informed by people participating in certain institutions, and they go to, like, the same elite universities and so forth. And keep in mind that Yarvin himself, I mean, 
I'm not a big subscriber of that idea. I think there's problems with his analysis, but I do think, like nowadays especially, um, a lot of people on the far right specifically criticize him because he doesn't uh, name them. Yeah. No, but so, again, the, these people are degenerates who uh, think that oh, anyway. That, but no, no, they are. But, uh, Wait, right I don't care. Wait a minute. Yeah. So who are the degenerates? The ones in power? The anti-Semites are the degenerates. Those are who the degenerates are. And the people who oh, are the people who are in power, the people who are in power today, are useful idiots, in my opinion. They're propagating things that uh, they have no idea how harmful they really are. Because these are the people who are causing, I think, a lot of distrust among each other, a lot of division online when they preach a lot of, uh, you know, again, like all the CRT stuff, all that shit. But anyway, Eigen, do you agree with the assessment that uh, Geo has made right now about the uh, cathedral? Because I want to make sure Stardust understands what exactly we're talking about here and that the wrong idea is not really, uh, does not really come up. So, Yeah, I have a bunch of stuff to say. Um, the first thing is that it's, um, I, I think most people when they talk about this idea of kind of a um like elite monoculture with you know specifically a kind of um tight or, or a set of, of almost choreographed beliefs is that it's 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 an older idea than that i mean mm -hmm. a, a classic case of this is going back and looking at chomsky right yeah um, oh. also, also like honk also also notably jewish like and 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 while it is true that Certainly a lot of um, theories about like a conspiracy of this type do involve Jews. I, I, I don't think that they're necessary to, to any sort of, you know, set of ideas about the um, existence of constraints on speech and, and you know, the, the set of ideas over which, you know, people can, the set of ideas that people can espouse and still exist in certain relatively rarefied spaces where they have disproportionate control over discourse um you know as far as like where do i fall in this i i think the idea of of an active conspiracy gives people way too much credit and i think that things are i mean it's just way too large of a space there are thousands of colleges yeah. and universities in the united states mm -hmm. right and um you know locking everybody out of these spaces like you, you, there's no committee to do this um, what I think is probably more realistic, and I, I promised people that I would use words like this. So, you know, consider the idea of an egregore, right? You can mm -hmm. you can imagine just like this. I mean, the, these sorts of things, to the extent that they exist, I think it, it is real and it is more true now than it used to be, incidentally. Um, the way that universities operate now is really quite a lot different than they did in the 90s and in the aughts. Um, and I, you know, I, I felt the changes happening when I was there um, through, throughout my time in the, the aughts and early teens. But, you know, basically, like, there's a set of things that you can write about without criticism and indeed with, you know, be rewarded for it. And there are certain things that you can write about that will maybe get people making quiet, disapproving noises. And, and, and you know, you can just kind of tell that you're not quite fitting in in this very subtle way and everybody just kind of absorbs these norms they don't necessarily talk about them out loud but you know they're there and you know um i think i i've got a lot of feelings about this i think that generally for universities and you know places like media in particular the the set of views that you can't really have without being either low-key shunned or, or outright kind of forced out um, really reduces the value of those sorts of institutions as 
and and here I use the term truth loosely, but like truth seeking or truth generating organizations, like their value in that sense for meanings of truth that I think are useful and interesting, um, really really declines in proportion to the the extent to which those kinds of ideological soft controls are in place. So yeah, I mean I think um, the. I think people are pretty indelicate in the way that they talk about this and think about this, but I think that about most things that people think about. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, like, mm. I, I think that it is real. I and, mean, you know, there, there, there are institutional ways that it's propagated and there are social ways that it's propagated, but it's it's out there. And, and I think the trend, and it, there's always going to be some of this, right? Like, there are just going to be certain people who you don't want in your space. Like, you know, somebody showed up to your office and like spent his entire time talking about how cannibalism was great. Actually, <laughs> probably, probably his career is not going to be probably a uh, world member of the uh, Agori. Actually, <laughs> yeah. probably one of the uh, Agori tribes. If you guys know that reference, oh. yeah, yeah, you know. But um, you know, so so it's really a question of like how much is tolerated and and how do people react to it? And I think. Um, I, I think that that space, at least certainly subjectively, has been has been shrinking. Although mm. I'm not, I maybe think we're past the the apex of that. Well, well, well before, you know, we, well, wait, I, wait, I, wait, I, wait I, hold, hold on a second. Oh, before we go further, I want to make sure Stardust. I think Eigen uh, was very. Uh, uh, was articulate. very yeah very articulate much more than me very articulate and how he was able to describe what people refer to as the cathedral before we go further stardust do you have any questions or comments on that particular uh, term no no i i i think that people um who get into power just um i don't know they they just tend to kind of like converge on common ideas i don't think it's like a uh, like I don't think there has to be any agency or coordination to it. I think it's just something that happens naturally. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can look at like um, uh, cross culturally universities, like in different countries, right? They'll like um, they'll converge on certain facts. So yeah, well, that's pretty much what we were talking about. So I'm glad that that. Uh, I think yeah. My problem is with with Curtis Yarvin is that what I mean by he should read French 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 theory. Sorry, is that um. For example, like Michel Foucault, I know he's like so hated on the political right for obvious reasons. But I mean, I when I did my MA in the university, that was my main topic was Michel Foucault. Um, and I think that you can explain it through the regime of truth, power, knowledge. Like these are very good concepts, I think, that can sort of fill in the gaps. Because Curtis Yarvin comes out of like a very much Anglo legalist framework. People then also other people within Anglo sociology, like James Burnham, for instance, or like the juvenile, like certain elite theorists, like, you know, that come from Italy and, and, uh, and mm. England. James so Burnham, that was the author of the Machiavellians, right? The Machiavellians, the miniature revolution, the suicide of the West. Yes. Um, mm. uh, it, academic agent actually has a new book out where he, uh, talks about a lot of these theorists. I think it's called, um, Problem of power is something I don't know. Uh, mm. Maybe we should get but, uh, on but but here's a very interesting question. I think how does this uh, kind of a group of people who, like we said before, it's not coordinated, but naturally these mindsets end up occurring. How does that then trickle down to the masses? Because, like Stardust was saying, and I tend to agree with her here, a lot of these relationships that people form online. I don't think it's manipulated. I think it's very natural. But there is another issue here that comes up for me, at least, where 
much like certain authors, for example, Vladimir Nabokov, in uh, writing his book Ada, or Ada, and how to pronounce it, he made it very difficult for people to get into that book uh, from the first several chapters. And I think there is this tendency there of authors to make it hard, like put a wall up, so that it's going to be a lot harder for people to climb to that, you know, through that wall and enjoy the content, because that kind of gatekeeping basically keeps all the stupid people out. And I'm not saying that this is the case, but what if a lot of the problems that we're going to be experiencing is because a lot of stupid people have access to the internet, while in the, in the old days there used to be a certain, you know, there used to be a certain process you had to go through to even connect to the internet, and whether that is going to create some kind of a dystopian uh, situation in society because now you have all these stupid people with their stupid ideas screwing everything up. I don't know. I can. Are you endorsing yeah. the idea of the IQ shredder now? Is that well, what you're endorsing? I'm not saying anything. I'm asking Eigenbot uh, this question. So, what do are you, you think? Are you a secret is... Landite love? Are you a Nick Land fan? I've never read Nick CCRU? Land yet, but <laughs> no. hopefully he should uh, come in. But I know, Eigenrobot, do you agree with that assessment since you were on the internet for a long time that it has gotten stupider and the stupidity, at least I see stupidity as being very dangerous? Because if you have somebody who is in charge of something and is smart, they're probably not going to do as much evil as somebody who is stupid, which is why I think Putin is very stupid. But anyway, Eigenrobot, go for it. Oh, that's... That's interesting. I, I guess I have a very different take on things. Are you familiar with, uh, forget that guy's name. There, there was a famous German general, um, most famous for what I'm about to describe, actually. I'm not sure what his conduct was in in World War One, but he, he had a sort No, it wasn't Ludendorff. Um, he, he, it was, he was somebody in the, um, in the Imperial, Imperial Luftwaffe. Um, but he, he was most famous for having a taxonomy of officers and in particular he he identified officers as being either uh clever or slow and either diligent or lazy and his caution in particular was about people who were neither who were who were diligent but but nevertheless you know foolish um and he, he thought these were a minority he thought most people were both both lazy and slow and and they could just you know deal with relatively rope stuff um but, you know, then, then this issue came, okay, so like maybe if you're lazy and clever, you know, you should be put out commanding troops in the field because you, while you're lazy, like you, you are also able to make decisions quickly somehow. Um, but, but then the real risk was that somebody would be both diligent and, and, and foolish and end up in power. But I, I don't know, I, I think um, I personally identify as very stupid myself. And I no I, no that's like the hot girl saying that oh I was such a nerd I'm in not school great I was today. Being... no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> but but like really like if, if you if you're like going out and identifying as smart I I think that that oh like yeah. I and like here I would think about like um, Jason Stanley in particular right like his, <laughs> yeah. his entire identity is based around like this idea that he has to be very this very clever person and I mean yeah. not only does that become exhausting but I think it also really distorts how you think about things you end up being dumber for thinking about yourself as smart um but no i mean like as 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 far as you know what's happening with the internet and low information people there's there's another interesting thing which is if you if you go to um certain very very poor countries what you tend to see is and like you know you go through a rural area um 
there's there's a lot of poverty out there, but it's not necessarily visible. It's not centralized like it might be in a city where, you know, you see people on the street who look very badly off, very poor, or, you know, you go through a rundown neighborhood with with houses that are falling apart in, in, a, in a gray and grim way. But I mean, I, I think the before the internet, if, if you were to just go out and look at what people were concerned about, like, I, I think you would find people even lower information than they are today. It, it was just all very local, right? Like people before the, like, People that, do not... That's kind of my point, though, because it's local. It's not going to have as virulent of an effect to uh, get into other people's heads. Yeah, maybe. So, I mean, like, you know, a major risk is, like, maybe a lot of people, like, become more easily manipulable through the Internet. But I don't think there's, it's obvious. I don't think it's obvious to me that that's any worse than what was happening when, you know, everybody got all of their information from TV 40 or 50 mm. years ago. And, I mean, like, that, that was pretty dangerous, too, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, like old zombie movies, the entire point of the zombie movies is that, like... It's these people who have totally given up on cognition and mm. like independent thought, and they're just kind of following in and, and following. Well, to uh, to to uh, to counter that a bit, if we look at, for example, Walt Disney making Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Walt Disney intentionally made that movie to appeal to at the time the uh, the uh, housewife because he knew that the wife was going to grab the kids and the husband and go watch the movie. So you're getting a lot of people watching it at once. My my thing here with uh, talking about the uh, uh, stupid people, and again, I think it's relative, but uh, I don't want a situation where the politicians, I mean, I guess this is kind of like an age-old thing where, you know, the uh, demagogues appealing to the lowest common denominators, but especially with the internet, are we going to see even more of that, where you're going to have people appealing to these very uh, base emotions in order to get elected, in order well, to have power over people? That's reality most time itself, though. But I mean, I hate to say, make but Trump any... was the master of that. Oh, like, yes. Oh, the yes. best speech ever was the snake one. That was amazing. That was like, and and you should, the, the line he said at the very end, the way he delivered it was, um, and you, shut up, silly woman. And you should have known, I said with a vicious grin, you should have known I was a snake when you let me in. And the whole crowd would like. It was literally like going to a metal concert, just like, mm. boom. But, uh, but with that situation, though, do you think that it is something that's going to get worse eventually? Like, I want to ask uh, Stardust to start off here. Is there, is there a similar uh, thing you see happening in the future that may be happening right now with this, uh, as I call it, stupidity of the masses being used to uh, manipulate people even more? Um. So if you're concerned about, I guess, the stupidity of the masses, um, do you think that leads to, like, a requirement for, like, something like that disinformation board we were going to talk about? Mm, that's an interesting question. I would say no, because with the disinformation board, that basically gatekeeps all the stupid people within all their stupid talking points. That way only the stupid talking points are the ones that are going to be allowed to be uh, active if there is a situation where these politicians depend on a lot of people being stupid. So... I'll, so give you you I'll give you Russia you as an example. I don't think the amplification of low-information voices is something that we should manage as a society. No, I don't. And I'll give you Russia as an okay. example. So in Russia right now, they have the, uh, and you're going to love this, Geo. they have the Russian uh, TV stations that are pretty much uh, all propaganda, and they are geared to pleasing only one person. That is Putin. 
So all the, uh, let's say, older generations of Russians only have that as a source. They don't have anybody who would come in and give them an alternative. And that keeps them stuck in this, you know, very stupid mentality of believing all these lies. At least if we open up the floodgates, there's going to be, you know, people out there like, I don't know, like Sticks, for example. I don't agree with everything that Sticks, Hex, and Hammer 666 says. But there are still people out there who come in that are able to challenge certain things that people believe in. At least those who are curious enough will be able to seek it out. While unfortunately, I think that it is in the interest of people who have you know, certain positions of power to always have people that depend on them. And if you want somebody to depend well, on you, Brian you're going to have... is on CNN, gonna... Lev. I can't, like, say what you <laughs> want about Russia Today or, or Channel One or whatever. I that's mean... not good either. The Brian Stelter, that's, but but don't that the goes to the point. oligarchs in Russia do the same thing? Like, they limit the messages that yeah. are able to get out, right? Absolutely, so, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, great. So, uh, Ignore okay. him. <laughs> Go ahead, start us. Um, no, it's all good. Um I guess I, I'm just trying to understand what your idea is um, uh, to do with, with society with this problem then of information and, and different qualities of information. Well, I'll give you an example. One of the things that could be done is if there is some think tank person out there who has a, uh, let's say, more mainstream take on the Russia situation, instead of censoring uh, people like Russians with attitude or whatever, what you should do is you should organize an event where you bring in all of these people and just spend hours and hours going through whatever it is they have to say, completely annihilate their worldview, which is, based on, over which is based Russia on lies, Russia. which is Look based on lies. And just uh, have like a best of reel where you show how embarrassing these people are for spouting all of these lies. Instead, that, that's what I would R do. RWA on uh, BTR. I would when I have a competent person on the other side. But you see what I mean, Stardust? That would be my solution to this problem of uh, misinformation. H investing uh, time and money and resources into countering things by actually inviting people who talk about a lot of this stuff on. And if they mm -hmm. don't want to come on, then they're the ones who don't want to come on. You know, sure. They're the ones who are but scared. But do you think the average person in, in like society, the average working person, has the time to be like going through all that information and sifting through what is reliable information and what's not reliable information. Well, I think we have to be very spicy with the way these things are done. It has to be very, it has to be very viral. It can't be somebody who is just some bookworm, some nerd who is doing it. It has to be like Jim, for example. If we can get like Mr. Medicor. Mr. Metacron to, you know, just like he did with Fuentes, to sit down and to break down all these things that people are talking about with Russia and whatever. Like, the more we have of that, the more people are going to want to tune in as long as you don't, you know, censor the opposition. I mean, already right now, the biggest concern here is that you have this mindset that you've had in 2020 where when there's uh, something that definitely looks like a riot going on, you have people on CNN saying that this is a peaceful protest. People see through that shit who are paying attention, and as a result, they're not going to have any trust for whatever it is the media says. I'm in the situation right now where, you remember my shirt, the Ukraine shirt? I'm in the situation right now where I definitely think the mainstream media is right in their assessment of Russia and their assessment oh, of God. Ukraine. Oh. But at the same time, I think they're very wrong with a lot of other things. How come they don't casualty numbers, Lev? How come they don't do that? We're going to have another Ukraine stream. Don't worry oh, about God, it. Oh, God, please, anyway, no. Anyways, yes, please, wanna, yes. Go to Eigen because people are 
complaining yes. that we're not talking about Twitter. But before we go back to Twitter and, and get Stardust's take on Twitter, um, Quatar, um, as as Bronze mm-hmm. Age, who I know, I know, Lev, you you probably you know you think that BAP is also a. Uh, Russia yeah, a shell. Well, no, um, I don't know about him. Russia, uh, Russia shell. I think he's pretty fascistic, but that's a separate thing. Well, but anyways, uh, wait, wait, hold on, Gio. Be- before that, before that, before oh. that, I want to get Stardust's Stardust's opinion on what I just said right now. Would that kind of model of preventing uh, censorship uh, would it would it work in your opinion, or do you see a better one? I, ju- I want to make sure we don't leave on that. Uh, I mean, I guess it, it could be, um, I guess I, w- I would say like, uh, um, I would look again at the average, like working person, the average working class person, they, they generally don't have time to be sifting through that information, even if it's like a TV program where you're talking about having all these different people with different um, views coming on and, and duking it out. Um, uh, generally, like they don't have um, the time to really like fact check that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so uh, I think it's important to keep that in mind. And I think it's important to keep in mind that um, uh, how exhausting actually going through that process is if you've ever gone through that mm. process um, uh, right. with with somebody um, mm. where you're sifting through everything that they're saying and fact checking everything that they're saying. It's a very exhausting process. And if somebody's working like 10, 12 hours a day, they're just not going to be able mm. to do that. So but then what? But with the, oh, I can go on. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think probably it's best to just give up on people believing things that are true like if even even in a very narrow space it's extremely difficult to identify like what's true at all it like even to the extent where it's possible to know it right like i don't know i I, i've spent a lot of time like in my life trying to do this both you know in in school and professionally and like even in very narrow spaces trying to come up with some legible story about what's true in any given circumstance is is very difficult and you can do better and you can try to get closer to to something that you believe is true but you know political spaces in particular are are what i would think of as a maximally hostile information environment where almost all the information that you're getting is second or third hand almost everyone has an agenda and so you know you're talking about low information people being easily manipulated and and while that's true like you know, we are not immune to propaganda yes. and frame control like and manipulation. Comic. Yeah, very much. And so, I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't think that, you know, that I, I don't know that this is necessarily a good framing for it. Like the, like misinformation is just going to happen. I, I certainly propagate it myself mm. uh, very deliberately and I hope it's hermetic well, rather than, mm. you know, well, actively harmful. Well, but... misinformation is in itself like an aesthetics of, uh, it's like a literary art form. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But it's, especially, uh... but especially when we're looking at the faces of the people on CNN, for example, and we expect these people to be the fact checkers. Are you kidding me? Like, that's the problem again with like the Hunter Biden laptop story. That one was suppressed. People were saying that this is fake news. So, what do we do about that? Why should like we trust of, these? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is exactly why, Geo, when it comes to certain things that come out of the media, even if I agree with them on Ukraine, I grant that they are the classic case of the boy who cried uh, wolf. Hold on, Geo. They as, are the classic case. Hold on, Geo. Geo, Geo, hold on. I thought that you would love that there would be less Nazis in Mariupol now than there were in 2021, Lev. 
Gio, at this point, know. we're not we're not talking about this, especially because Sorry. the far all the far right parties came together. Stardust, if you don't know this, this is uh, something that I'm going to lay down right now quickly, and then we're going to drop this. All the far right parties came together, and they got less than one percent of the parliament in Ukraine. So this is like the whole Nazi threat that uh, yet they the, control uh, the military lab, but that's. Yeah. Yeah, how, how how interesting, right? Like, why would... Okay, anyway. Anyway, you get the idea. So what I'm trying to get here is that Stardust, I don't know how much you would be able to trust a lot of these fact-checkers today. So do you see why people are concerned about them wielding this kind of uh, power with information? Yeah, sure. But, I mean, again, we're talking about, like, um, we're talking about somebody who's, like, written tons of... of um, tons of uh, essays on uh, misinformation and disinformation, right? Versus like CNN, you know, just like a typical TV show looking for ratings, right? Um, uh, and I, I think that we should still like be working some way to reduce the harm to these low information citizens. Mm. Um, I think it's not, it's not right that we are just allowing people who, um, who have no other means of, of, checking their information of getting their information and making sure that it's like it's uh like at least less wrong than other pieces of information um i don't think it's right that we're just like letting them kind of be um free in the wind um with no guidance right but who are we talking about here being the guiders being the guardians of what is true i'm not talking about cnn i mean if that's well okay but are we talking about are are we talking about nina uh, Nina Jankowitz, for example, who got appointed by the Biden administration. I saw that um, singing of hers. I'm not. I don't know if I'm. That, I haven't uh, seen impressed. any. I haven't seen any of the singing or whatever that is. But yeah. um, but. Um, no, no. Uh, here, think... here, here's what I did see. Just uh, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but what I did see—the things that she was talking about—she only talks about the disinformation things that come from the right. She does not talk at all about the disinformation things that come from the other side, which is a pattern. Which Sometimes is something they're that... the same, though. Sometimes the the like I've seen it where the disinformation that you see on the left and on the right comes from the same place. Um, True, but it's yeah. not really something where. A lot of the corporate, dis- uh, corporate, a lot of you know, like the CNN, a lot of that disinformation that comes out again, Hunter Biden laptop, other things that happened during the election, those things, if they're not called out by the people that are in charge of it, I mean, that's obvious. Why? Why would uh, you know? Why would somebody who is in bed, you know, who is part of that establishment, criticize the establishment? I mean, that's understandable, but that goes back to the big problem here. You can't have somebody who is that embedded in this whole structure to police that structure so we just give up on 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 the idea of like uh giving people less wrong information entirely just because we can't we can't get like a hundred percent perfection well first of all we shouldn't censor but to the point of having somebody out there kind of like a snopes I think that there should be somebody who would be much more objective in their opinion, but they would have to be vetted to make sure they have no connection or as little connection as possible to any elements of the establishment so there wouldn't be that kind of bias. I think that that could happen, but again, they should not have the power to suppress information. Oh, but see, this is the Sure, problem. I'm not advocating for the suppression of information. I'm just advocating for, like, um, at least, like, there being, like, um, a disclaimer, like, with medical misinfo, right? Like, the, it, I think it's fair that there's 
a lot of harm that comes out of medical misinfo and that there being a disclaimer around that kind of stuff would is is helpful and is um and is providing like a service to low information uh uh citizens mm. I, to be f yeah go on I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical about that um like I, I i think for example you could imagine you know having some kind of an authority set up saying well this is what we know about medical science and here's you know what is you know currently our best understanding part of the problem with doing something like that is that we've had that for a long time you know we have and and it's produced a track record of things like the food pyramid that was released in the mm -hmm. 90s or recommendations about salt mm -hmm. intake or you know the head of the f was it the fda F saying FDA. masks don't work um immediately before covid and i i, I basically I mean, they, they, there are more things and I could keep going off about this, but, you know, a lot of these fields around health in particular, and I, I'm using this as an example, but I think you can stand in for quite a few things. Um, you know, the, 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 the process of generating knowledge in these fields is actually really quite bad. And I, I say this mm -hmm. as a statistician, like it's, it's atrocious. These, these fields are built up on decades of bad studies by scholars who either deliberately misuse or shouldn't use at all because they don't understand them statistical methods. And, you know, so you, you can maybe go forward and have some formalized process that attempts to generate like good information about health for, for people in these situations. But, you know, in cases where there's dispute that there are usually cases where information is not great to start with. And, you know, you can set up some kind of an authority to, to push other things, but, you know, these, the, the information that they end up with is still not necessarily going to be particularly good. And, you know, I'm not trying to be completely blackpilled about this, but ultimately I'm, I'm not convinced that we're actually capable of getting a lot of good information out to people in this narrow case. And, you know, even to the extent that we are, I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure the people who are that low information are going to be in a position to use it particularly well. You know, I mean, I, I think the lives of people that you're discussing are maybe characterized by like kind of, I don't know, I, I can imagine there being less volition or attention paid to these things over time than, than you might expect. And, you know, I'm, I, I definitely think that the goal of helping people in this kind of situation is admirable, but I, I think there's maybe less that is actually achievable than, than um, perhaps Stardust thinks. And, I think some of the secondary effects of setting up these kinds of institutions are are actually quite bad and noticeable. So I'm 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 on the margin, pretty pretty negative on this. Well, I think that um, the problem is that when you have institutions that are designed to quote unquote discern disinformation and true information, that itself gets slotted as another um, apparatus of power knowledge. Like that is a mechanism by which you can. Mm pretend to legitimize certain sources. I mean, Snopes is the best example. Mm. Well, I, w I want to make sure, uh, Stardust, uh, what do you think of Eigen's response there? Uh, oh, but I, I think that yeah. I can yeah. acknowledge, I can definitely acknowledge that there are pieces of information that we've thought was, um, we thought was the truth, and we found out later that was incorrect, 100%. But I still think that there is value in, in communicating what is less wrong information, right? So, like, for example, like drinking like bleach is probably like, you know, it's it's probably as, uh, you know, advising against drinking bleach is probably like the least wrong 
information you can you can put out there regarding it right um uh like not everything is going to be perfect and obviously information and the, like the facts that we have around something changes over time with like the more information we get but i still think that there's a ton of value in in providing like we know for sure that this um this piece of information is just uh, is slightly more reliable than this other piece of information right Mm. Like, well, um, I, uh, like kids don't eat Tide Pods, you know? Yeah. You know what's so. funny? I just remember that one uh, tweet that blew up of that. Uh, this woman posted a, a picture of her uh, her her um, two two year old uh, crying because they locked the uh, the cabinet for, you know, the chemical cabinet. And she's like crying her eyes because they didn't want, you know, because, you know, you have to because kids, they, they for some reason mm. they like. They they want to go and drink uh, you know yeah. chemicals that look delicious mm. and then someone posted in, in the replies the uh, Ing Sock 1984 <laughs> like it's but, uh, 1984 yeah. that you don't let your kids but drink uh, bleach, but you know? no yeah. but with with the drinking of bleach I, I want to get to Eigen but I got a quick question for Stardust with the drinking bleach what was that a reference to. Uh, no, it's just in general, like, 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 um, Tide Pods, like you would put, it's, it's normal to put like a thing mm. saying, do not eat on Tide Pods, right? He, well, here's why I say the bleach, because I believe there was something that happened with Trump, where he said something that the media ended up, uh, uh taking up as a uh, meaning that, you know, drinking bleach, similar, yeah, yeah, similar yeah, thing yeah. that happened with Joe Rogan, where they were referring to this as a horse dewormer, even though so many people throughout the world have already provenly used this for the treatment of parasites, not for horses, but, uh, for people. Uh, I think the so thing that's... with Trump was injecting bleach, and I, I definitely wasn't talking about that. I'm talking about oh. um, specifically like just normal consumer labels on things, right? Mm. Like I think, but it's I don't think it was injecting bleach To have bleach like either. normal chemicals, like on Lysol or for on like yeah. on a bottle of bleach or like on a bottle of Clorox, like or like on Tide pots, like hey, this is not for oral consumption, and mm. we already have that, right? Well, hold on a second. I know it's not a MMS, uh, what some people are saying in the chat. I don't remember chat. What was the thing that Trump was talking about? I don't think it would, what has anything to do with bleach at all. Yeah, I, well, uh, I want to find out what exactly that was. So, chat, please help me out. What was that thing Trump was referring to? Someone in my chat to? is saying they've had the urge to drink fabric softener. I would highly <laughs> recommend you probably don't drink fabric softener. Mm. It looks delicious. Not a good idea. Wait, wait, when you're saying your chat, are you simultaneously streaming this? Uh, oh, yeah, is that okay? I didn't realize. Oh, no, that is perfect. Okay. But for all the people who are on Twitch, who are listening to this right now with Stardust, we're also on Twitch. Break the Rules is on Twitch. So by go some to, miracle. Yes, by some <laughs> miracle. So go to twitch.tv slash break the rules. That's B-R-E-A-K-T-H-3-R-U-L-E-S. Here is the link. So be sure to go there. I want to get the Twitch people in here. Come in here. And also oh, youtube.com. Uh, go to breaktherules.tv. Well, that's gonna land you on youtube.com so break the rules.tv break the rules.tv i'm saying it so that you have a time to write it down all the people who are on twitch right now write that down go to break the rules.tv and down, go to you know the, the average iq of oh come on <laughs> come on be nice what are you doing be nice that's horrible <laughs> that. that is horrible Anyways, no but no, no, no getting no getting back to what we were talking about oh, here yeah. with the with the uh bleach even if uh, you didn't mean it for uh, Trump reference, there are these things that uh, throughout the uh, last couple of years were brought up as uh, health warnings, but they either misconstrued or completely fabricated what the initial statement was, much mm -hmm. like with the Joe Rogan situation with the horse deworming. So, okay. So, so sure, that's, then uh, that would yeah. be another case where you would put a disclaimer, right? 
Or something like that. I don't no, know. No, but who's like putting the, the disclaimer? That goes back to the issue that the people who are putting the disclaimers we're, on we're are the ones who have bleach. an agenda. If we're talking about bleach, I don't know if it was level, bleach. The basic consumer level like warnings, right? This is regardless oh. of Trump, regardless of any administration, right? Yeah. It's I think it's a pretty good policy to have do not consume orally on things like bleach and oh, fabric sure. softener and tie, right? right? right. I sure, think it's I not that. that it's not that mind blowing that um I'm advocating for us to no, have but some is that, sort of warning. But is on that, that what we were talking about originally though? Because I, I, I mean, thought I brought up Someone mentioned medication app we can't mention on YouTube. Yes, well, yeah. just to Hydro, just you know. just yeah, just to solidify this. Are you being this. purposely like uh, like uh, like uh, obfuscating because you think it's a like uh, a good idea or like what? No, What's because there's an algorithm. There's an algorithm issue on YouTube where if certain terms are brought up, uh, there's yeah, problems that happen with videos. Yeah, we're about getting banned. So that's why. Yeah, okay. you know, it's just one of those things. No, but to the point that I was talking about earlier, I would 100% agree with you that we do need warning labels on products, obviously, as well as if some kids are eating Tide Pods, absolutely. My issue happens to just be when it gets political. When you have certain people that advocate for certain things, that there is like enough, like a big contingent of people who are recognized scientists and doctors who would agree, yet despite that, they're not listened to. Like that gets into the murky territory of which experts do we side with. And it's, uh, I'm not saying it's an easy uh, way out of this because i understand your point stardust like we can't just have people peddle snake oil and then have that you know worse than snake oil and have that be uh, consumed by people but at the same time when we have something that let's say is politically uh you know politically incorrect because of money issues because somebody wants to make certain money on another kind of uh cure treatment then what do you do you know like how I mean, do you make sure that's not a, what I'm, a problem what i'm talking about though is just quite literally advocating for the information that is less wrong than another piece of inf information. And I, and I don't think it has to be political, right? I think it's less wrong to say to don't drink bleach, right? To yes. don't eat Tide Pods. I think yes. these are less wrong things. So I think that we can, I think we can say that these are like pieces of information that we can, we can say like, um, are, I don't know, better pieces of information like higher quality mm. pieces of information i'm not talking about censoring anything i'm very anti-censorship um i'm not talking about like um uh suppression or anything like that i'm just talking about warning labels right if it comes down to like warning labels around like articles or like on youtube or things like that i don't think it's like um a, a huge deal because you're still getting your voice out there you're just getting a warning label on something well eigen what would you respond to that with? Where do you see as being the line that has to be drawn between uh, advocating for, you know, th well, saying that things that are bad are bad? Like, where is that line? Oh, I don't think any should. I'm I'm actually fine with bleach not being labeled. I mean, <laughs> look, I'm I'm. <laughs> um, I mean, not to be not to be psychotically like Friedmanite, but you know this this is a problem that's easily solved with um, like just standard liability law, right? Like you could easily have a regime that says, all right, well, you can put out whatever you want. If it's going to, if you don't put on some kind of a relevant warning label that says, you know, here are some risks associated with using this product that, you know, a reasonable, per reasonable person that that wonderful legal construct um, is not able to interpret correctly, then, 
you know, maybe, maybe you're more liable under, you know, some kind of commercial negligence law. Right. But this is a problem that solves itself. If, if the product doesn't actually cause any harm, like for example, if bleach didn't actually cause any harm, say it didn't, and you didn't have a warning label on it, then, okay, maybe a person could try to sue, but you know, good luck actually proving harm. Um, you know, in the case of information, you know, I, I think you very quickly end up with, with situations where, you know, like one, one, I guess what I mean to say is I think it would be very difficult to actually establish that harm was being caused by any particular piece of information that was out there. Right. Like, like, unless it's direct, like there, there was this mm. one guy, his family, um, I believe the same, uh, service that uh, that fed alaska was using to grift uh gift send grift scam glow this one guy in florida was it florida or was it somewhere else that said that taking chlorine can cure uh cancer and all this type of stuff and it killed so many people and i believe he's yeah. in a federal prison right now but that's like you know james james hubble i think his name is the yeah uh, yeah. yeah no but but back uh, back to stardust would you agree with eigen on this or do you want to push back uh, yeah, I, I disagree. I think that, um, I, I think that, um, basic harm labels on, on specific items are pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm not willing to like, just let people like eat Tide Pods, I guess, um, and figure it out for themselves. How would, so. I mean, so, okay. Um, it doesn't seem to me that there is a massive problem with people eating Tide Pods or drinking bleach in the United States, not knowing that those things might harm them. Like, and putting a warning label on something isn't isn't going to stop somebody from doing it, right? It's, I don't think this is something you can really stop people from doing. And the flip side of this is that very frequently you'll, you'll, you'll get false positives. For example, in the United States, marijuana is a schedule one drug, right? Like this drug has, according to, I believe, the FDA, like no valid uses and it's known to be extremely dangerous and et cetera, et cetera, which, which is patently absurd. I, I, I say this from experience and trying, I, like r really, really taking heroic doses of marijuana. It is hard to use this drug in such a way that you'll hurt yourself. I mean, like, you know, does this cause an alteration in your med? Can I talk about this? Do sure. Well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and, and, and this is kind of like the ultimate end of labeling things like labels actually do have consequences for the way that things are treated, whether those are formally legal at first or whether there's something else like having that kind of authority exerted over the way that a thing is perceived by by people is is actually, in my view, pretty potentially pernicious. And it is like sort of literally um you know an act of authority that that i think is frequently unwarranted and and you know the people who are putting labels on things are are people with agendas of their own like there's there's this common critique that you can't be a reporter from nowhere in in media right like and that has of course sort of led into the the modern media environment where where everybody just kind of wears the biases on their sleeve but you know regulators have have a lot of these biases too and and a, a lot of these agendas and, you know, the, the sort of people who put warning labels on things are the sort of people who pretty typically end up being captured by, by industry or, or by other actors after they leave. And I, I think these things are, you know, like going back to the, the old food pyramid, I mean, like that was generated very heavily with input from, 
you know, major agricultural firms who, who have been putting huge money into funding research that makes their particular products, whatever they happen to be at any point in time, look, look good and giving it this sort of scientific imprimatur. And um, I think that putting labels on things just gives people a false sense of security. Like this information is reliable. I'm getting this from an authority. I am a smart person because I'm listening to smart people. And I mean, like, yeah, but you know, um, no, but I, I was going to ask you, Eigen, um, mm -hmm. do you, from your perspective, do you think that, um, it, it seems it revolves around people's cognitive capacity. Do you feel that, um, IQ is like an objective property? I mean, that's the whole debate in itself, but do you feel like it's an objective property that can be sort of, um, the way in which people use their own inherent uh, intelligence capacity can be somehow uh, aided by the growth of information distribution, or is it a fixed property from which that, you know, the plebes, the people meant for garbage detail in life, they're like sort of doomed to live in like a high information, high tech world. And there's nothing we can do about it except for, I don't know, put them in uh, in, in uh, forest pre preservations or something. <laughs> well, wait, wait, Gio, Gio, before, before that, though, Stardust just wrote here, I have an agenda that people should not drink fabric softener. So from, the pe from what Eigen said right now, I want to try to see if we could find a happy medium here. Would you disagree with what Eigen said? Uh, I mean, like, look, like, what does an agenda mean? Like, when you're talking about people putting labels on things, having an agenda, what is the agenda? Is the agenda just public safety? Like, I don't think that's a bad agenda. Um, and what do you mean by agenda? Is this like a coordinated effort, like a bunch of people working together with some, like, um, like, uh, some secret, um, mission? Or is it just that we have accepted that certain things are bad for people and we want to put labels on them so people don't mistakenly um, consume those things, right? I think, like, like, yeah, you can, um, you can, you can make the the statement that like um, that labels don't help anybody. But I, I, I think that if we took labels off of a lot of these things, we would definitely see like an increase in people calling like the poison control center. Uh, so yeah, um, if my agenda is like, is is to um, prevent more harm uh, with like low information people, then you know what? So be it. I'm totally fine with that. So what's, what's like, what, what, what's your political outgroup? Like imagine, imagine some political entity who you revile and imagine them being in power for a moment. Would uh -huh. you want them to be generating labels for things? I think if they're generating labels and those labels were still um, objectively true that like drinking bleach is probably not good for you and eating Tide Pods is probably not good for you, I think I'd be fine with it. Okay. Oh. Suppose that... I mean, like, this objectively true thing seems like sort of a problem because I can make just about anything be objectively true if you give me enough time and enough money. Like, it's pretty easy to generate research demonstrating whatever you like. I, I, I just think that you're underestimating the ability of people to generate notions of objective truth that, that are really 
neither. It's incredibly hard to know things and it's relatively easy to generate the illusion of knowing things. I, I think we can say though, like given the examples that I've given, right? I'm not talking about like very partisan issues. I'm talking about things that people know for a fact based on like what we've seen, right? We've seen that when people drink bleach, the outcome is not good. Um, right. So I'm not, I'm not talking about partisan issues here. If you're talking about partisan issues, you know what? Sure that like i don't know how i feel about that but like things when it comes to drinking bleach eating tide pods drinking fabric softener doing things that are bad for you consuming like um pesticide for no good reason then um you know yeah i think that we can say that warning labels are probably objectively a good thing but are we actually talking about drinking bleach right now yeah that's what i mean I'm, we're sort of getting lost in the metaphor i mean that's what i'm talking about if you guys are talking about like um, about like partisan issues, I would need to see an example of like what that, well, like what exactly well, we're talking about there. I think that like we're sort of focusing on the material like bleached, arsenic, um, other substances that can kill you. But I think that originally we started off with, and yes, we will get back to Elon Musk and Twitter, yes. is that originally we were starting off with the, the realm of moderation and piecing out information on a platform like Twitter and whether people can facilitate the ways in which people interpret that information just by saying that it's a fact checker. Okay. Ergo, so on Twitter, yeah. if somebody is, if you can provide me maybe an example of something that's more partisan, then, then sure. I can, I, I, I will. Let's just to, see the, the, like, the particular horse dewormer thing. That's a, that's yeah. The horse dewormer. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously like, you know, like, um, like, I believe it's in like certain quantities that it's a horse dewormer, but it, there is like, um, there's human consumption. Um, uh, yeah. uh, what's it called as well? I'm, I'm, I totally agree with you guys on that thing. But when we're talking about like, um, when we're talking about like, um, pro providing like warning labels on, and, and those warning labels are saying things that are objectively less wrong. Right. Like specifically that like consuming mm. like rat poison is probably going to be bad for you. Then I don't think that there's anything controversial in what I'm saying here. No, no, well, no. Well, I, I can, would you be able to do any pushback there? Because I think Sardis is correct, uh, unless I'm missing something. Like where, why would you dismiss that as being something that can work? Or, yeah, what do you think? I, I just think that it, it's relatively easy to come up with alternative solutions that lead to self-labeling in efficient ways rather than having it passed out by mandate. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Well, then I guess this is where you guys uh, stand, but it is very interesting. I, no, uh, but I, what I yeah. think I can means is that the nature of information itself within the world that we're in, in the sort of, especially in the digital world, is that we can't be certain of what I guess would Plantiga call it um, warranted true belief of something because the sort of like the hermeneutic that goes on between people spreading information, people spreading disinformation, people hyper politicizing information is accelerated on a digital plane. Therefore, ergo, we can't really rely on a strict one to one. This is the truth because I'm an expert. I'm an arbiter of truth. I think what Eigen is saying is that you have to have sort of a way of going around truth that is sufficiently open enough that is sort of arrived at through the parsing of different sources of information and so forth that is more open-ended. But the problem is that I think, again, the average well, like- Yeah, nobody's gonna do that. That's, that. a, yeah. that's a problem. But to Eigen's point, if I understand correctly, 
let's say Stardust is right and you're going to have some uh, idiot parents that let their kid eat the toy that's inside of a Kinder Surprise, for instance. Also, oh, uh, I have to ask this. I yeah, well, what wait, is wait, the in-group? I can't get my head around. What is in the in-group? I can't. It's <laughs> a long story. It's 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 <laughs> sort of a joke. And yeah. 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 Mm. But okay, so from what I understand, Eigen, if a family does something where their kid, um, you know, drinks bleach, you're saying that those sacrifices, for like, I don't know what you would call them, but that would be that would be worth it in a way, uh, just to make sure that the slippery slope of uh, information uh, warfare does not end up uh, putting people in a position where they're only, you know, where they got have the government blinders on. Would that be a fair assessment or is this a hyperbolic take? So suppose that a parent um, puts their kid on a high ledge overlooking the side of their cliff, of a cliff, and the kid wanders off. Do you think the cliff should have been labeled? Well, here's I the difference. Oh, oh, okay, a go cliff on. Start is, it, I think a cliff is a much more, um, uh, like, is a, a much more obvious indicator of danger. Like um, fire, than, like, like a hot stove. Yeah, than fire. Really, yeah. So I would say, like, things like, um, like, don't take too much Tylenol. Don't take too much, uh, like, the, like there, um, only take this, like, maximum amount, this amount, right, per day. I think that's, um, I think that's fine, right? There, are, uh, what my point is here is that we already have, um, labels on things to prevent, like, bad information getting out we already have labels to um, make sure people um are safe and i don't see like where do you draw the line basically if you think that it like um that we shouldn't label things like uh like the kinder like the kinder toy actually was an excellent excellent um example of that like how many parents would let their children just eat that because i mean it was part of the candy right like, social darwinism social darwinism that's what i say to that those ki- look if a, if a parent is so responsible that their kid eats this egg and maybe that speaks to the kid as well. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. But there is something to the idea. Maybe this is me being too contrarian, too much of an asshole. But maybe there is something to the idea that if there are people who are going to do incredibly stupid things, let them. Let them. Or is that too evil? That's actually not my position. My, my point is like, all right, suppose. Uh, and, and yeah, okay. There are warning labels on cliffs. <sighs> Thank you. We have warning labels on cliffs, but suppose this one were unlabeled. Okay, so, so following from there, like, all right, a kid drinks bleach. Mm. Definitely really bad, right? So were the parents aware that bleach is not something you should drink? My guess is that most parents are aware that bleach is, like, pretty bad, right? My my guess is that most parents are aware that you shouldn't say, you know, hit a kid in the face with a claw hammer. My, my my guess is that most people are aware of that. Like a reasonable person encountering a claw hammer would not see it and think, do you think I bet this is good to hit my kid in the face with. Do you think right? that most parents know what like the daily limit of, of um Tylenol is or what the daily limit of Advil is? Right. So if you look at a bottle that contains Tylenol or Advil, typically there will be instructions on it, right? What I'm saying is those instructions don't need to be mandated because if they aren't there 
and somebody takes too much of it because it's not clear how to use the product. And, and you know, like a reasonable person isn't going to be able to just intuit the correct amount of Tylenol to take from a bottle, right? Like typically you're going to need some advice about how much Tylenol a giving pill contains because it's not always obvious. Maybe it's a gel cap. Maybe there's a bunch of binder in it. You know, ty Tylenol is I, making drugs is hard. Um, but, you know, the, those things are just done and, and can be done relatively efficiently without having direct regulatory oversight and you know if a if a given firm is creating a product that you know a reasonable person is not going to be able to intuit how to use without hurting themselves like they're going to put a warning label on it or they're going to be liable for any damage that's caused by their negligence and this is like a really easy and decentralized solution that links labeling directly to expected harm relative to the cost of labeling something and doesn't require any regulation at all. It just requires people who are hurt by something and, you know, who, who used it in a way that a reasonable person might use something. Um, it, it requires companies to like, you know, be liable for, for any damage caused by that. You don't need a bureaucracy for this apart from a normal court system. You, you, you just need people who are willing to read directions perhaps, or mm -hmm. make an, informed decision or a you know decision on their part to not read directions but but you don't need this sort of thing to be mandated would they so, be liable if the damage is like long term uh sure if you could prove it and i assure you as somebody who has been been sued for uh soft tissue i mean eventually the lawsuit was dropped and you know insurance settled but like if you get in a car accident right you are extremely liable for almost any damage you can cause to somebody else, even if it's yeah. completely fantastical. Soft tissue injuries, crazy. Nobody can prove but, that shit. But let's say, let's say somebody is taking like um, a, a medicine for a long period of period of time, right? Okay. Um, long term damage from that, like, could be hard to prove, right? So, uh, so what would, why would there be a incentive for anybody to label that if there isn't like a regulatory um like a, a regulatory organization to do if, it if something objectively causes damage it should be pretty easy to prove that the damage was caused by that thing right and if it's not not if it's proven, like it's hardly objective no there are a lot of things that are there are a lot of things that i think will um that that people can consume over a long period of time that will cause them like significant harm um for and, example, yeah, like if you take too much medicine over a long period of time, right? Not let's say we're this person is not taking like um, a whole bunch of, um, uh, they're not taking so much Tylenol that it's or or Advil that it's like um, hurting them that day, but right, it, it's like hurting um, like I don't know their their liver or something over a long period of time. Um, okay. What is the incentive of a company to put that warning label on that product not wanting to be sued i mean like if if you're consuming like the maximum dose of tylenol every day for a decade and you end up with you know liver damage you, you know i mean like one don't do or that lung but... cancer from smoking yeah i mean yeah like okay, lung so cancer like... can be caused by a lot of different things right but sure yeah so i mean like I think the cigarette companies were sued for this pretty aggressively. And now they put warning labels on them saying, Hey, by the way, you can get cancer from doing this. So, uh, you know, caveat emptor. Mm. 
But doesn't that make Stardust right in that there is a need for these warning labels? Or would you say that without the warning labels, there would be a similar situation? No, I'm just saying that like companies can decide whether to put warning labels on or not based on their tolerance for being sued and the like, you know, expected um, cost of doing so. And and you don't need to have any kind of authority doing this as long as you I mean, have a What if they have a system. high tolerance though? If they have a high tolerance, if they have a bunch of lawyers, right? And it doesn't matter if your kid is like having like liver failure, like, um, uh, I don't know that like, what's, what is the point in labeling it then? How many people have to die from something or have to have like sustained harm done to them for a warning label to be on, on something. Uh, I mean, it's murky calculation, right? Wait, what is that calculation? Uh, murky. Yeah. It's oh, murky. Oh. I mean, like, you oh, know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, the calculation is a function of like likelihood of being sued, likely damages from the lawsuit, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But well, I mean, you know, I think I think we straight off topic, though. No, but this is a very interesting topic. I'm happy that Stardust, uh, you're kind of into this particular uh, conversation, which is why I wanted it to continue for a little bit longer. Last thing that I would say about this particular topic is when it comes to the – I keep calling them sacrifices. But when it comes to the damage that would be done in Eigen's case, from what I understand, you're saying that initially some people may uh, – do some uh, damage but then once that gets into the news once that gets into the whole conversation then this company ends up being sued so it'll stop whatever uh problems are going on is that is that the right way of saying that and and uh stardust you would want it to be there from the get-go so that fewer yeah. of those people would uh I, be damaged. my basic my my basic stance on this is that i'm not comfortable trading harm uh you know uh yeah, I guess for yeah. for yeah. Well, then the last thing that I would say, and I would ask this to Eigen as well. I think the chat over here seems like it sees a very slippery slope with the stance. Even though I know that you said before, and I think you're right that hey, I'm not advocating for censorship. I'm just advocating for these particular labels on things that are obviously bad. If I could play devil's advocate for the chat, I would say that their concern is that line that for you may be drawn in a very particular place for somebody else in the future is going to be a little bit wishy-washy. And they may start doing things like have been done in the past when it comes to the horse dewormer conversation and so on and so forth. That is something that we still have yet to figure out how do we prevent it and I don't think that, well, I don't think any of us here think censorship is the way, but do you see at least like where the chat may be coming from here in that slippery slope thing? Not, not even about medicine, not even about warning labels, specifically about information, disinformation, and so on. Are you asking me? Yes, I'm asking you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, get it. I would just reiterate that like I've never been pro-censorship or pro-suppression in any way. I think that like warning label labels are actually a happy medium for that, right? Um, so that's what I would say in response to that. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm very anti-censorship. So. Well, let's well let's see worst case scenario. I can, uh, regardless of your uh, opinions here, which are differ differing from Stardust's, what do you see as the worst case scenario that may be incurred from these kind of warning labels if the if you were to draw some kind of a slippery slope situation um worst case scenario would be mass exchange of nuclear warheads with russia 
Oh God. <laughs> Well, that's uh, that. That's certainly a step oh. up. Well, okay. Anything closer? I'm not gonna say worst case scenario. I'm gonna say medium case scenario. You know, something a little bit more related to uh, uh, to the warning labels. Well, I mean, look. You know, whenever you set up some kind of regulatory regime, what ultimately is going to happen is um, there is going to end up being a capture of that regulatory regime by industry, and um, the, the regulatory regime is going to be used to advance the aims of people other than the, the people who it's, you know, putatively expected to serve. Um, and even apart from that, you're going to see things like massive risk aversion. You're going to see, um, you know, labels being used as a mechanism to, you know, subvert um, competitors to the industry that's captured it. And and you're also going to see other interest groups taking advantage of that system to advance their own ends. Hmm. You know, I mean, like right now we at the FDA, we have a, a, a um, you know, a set of, of labels that are applied to various drugs of different types. And they're used to promulgate, you know, the, the arrests of various people, um, whether whether it happens to be, you know, it's like jazz musician who's using marijuana or, you know, like. The war on drugs, basically. The, basically, the entire war on drugs is a, is a matter of warning labels, right? Like, what is a drug anyway? Well, it's whatever the FDA happens to identify as a drug of a particular class. I mean, like, it has not always been like this. People used to get opium tea, and mm. Sherlock Holmes is a famous cocaine user, right? Well, and, like, according, he just according to Elon Musk, cocaine. according to Elon Musk, uh, back to him again, he wants to put the cocaine <laughs> back into Coca-Cola. So there we go. We've gone full circle back to Musk. Yeah, but okay, I mean, like, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, like people who, who are for warning labels are the sort of people who would back the Qing Empire over, you know, over, over the British. I mean, just like not having warning labels and letting people do what they want is, you know, it's an old Anglo. Wait, 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 please, please explain this. Uh, what do you mean by Qing Empire? Um, what, what? It, it, it was an opium war joke. Sorry. Ah, okay. No, no problem there. No, but uh, Stardust, maybe you're looking at uh, the, I don't know if you would say hyperbolism, although I, I'm kind of on Eigen's side here, of this word, you know, regulatory regime. But do you see where he's coming from, though, with the potential dangers here? Like, uh, I, at least I do. I don't know. Um, I, I, can, I can see his perspective. Um, but, uh, I guess I just, I wouldn't want to, I, I wouldn't want to partake in a, like a society that's not willing to put on, put harm, like reduction labels on things just like for the lowest informed. Well, well, um, well hold on, hold on a second. Yeah. Let's take it one step further. Let's yeah. take it one step further. And let's say you not only, you know, re you know, like people say that a lot of times, like, oh, I know what you're saying. I feel you, dog. I feel you. No, let's take it one step further, okay, and say that could you make a case, could you Silverman uh, what Eigen is talking man. about? Silverman. You never heard of the Silvermanning? It's the opposite of strawmanning. I think it's a long, I think it's a long stretch to say that like harm reduction, like these, these labels, warning labels. No, 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 no for, are... forget the labels, forget okay. the labels. Let's okay. throw the labels out. Uh, I know you don't want to throw the labels out, but let's throw the labels out. Let's concentrate specifically on this, um, this war on drugs, like Eigen said before. The power that uh, these corporations and government entities have over things that people consume. Let's just forget the warning labels and just take the worst case scenario here. So not just where he's coming from, but do you understand uh, 
what possible risks may be incurred here on people in this worst case scenario. So not warning labels, but specifically let's concentrate on the worst case scenario here. So, um, worst case scenario, uh, I guess I'm trying to see like, well, like the one how, that I can outline. Yeah. The one with, um, with like a jazz musician, um, consuming marijuana. Um, uh, dude, I, 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 I guess I would have to think about that one some more, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, by the way, it, like, it's, it's steel manning, not silver manning. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, man. I was thinking of the silver surfer there for a second. It's steel manning, love. What the hell are you talking <laughs> about? Anyways, I have, let's fucking I get off this. New, I invented Elon a new Musk concept. Twitter. Yes, I invented a new I concept, silver manning. The next level but... is gold manning. Gold manning, that is the uh... ultimate one. Gold manning is what happens when Chelsea Manning decides to transition to a gold statue. And like that episode of Avatar, uh, Xavier, if you guys are a fan of Xavier, uh, Renegade Angel, there was an episode where all the citizens pitched in to win the lottery, but then instead oh, of using yeah. that lottery yeah. money to improve their town, they uh, were convinced by Xavier to use it to uh, cover themselves entirely in gold, solid gold. And then the Arabians came and, well, anyway, watch the watch Xavier, highly recommended series. But anyway, sorry, sorry, uh, I stepped on you there. No, no, uh, all good. Um, I, I would have to, like, think about that more. Um, I guess I'm just having trouble connecting these, like, two scenarios. But, yeah, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just have to think about it more. So. Mm, all right. Well, for a future episode, then, let us get back to uh, the course of hand. We're going to be uh, finishing up pretty soon, but let us go back to the situation with Elon Musk and what exactly is going to happen now. So any predictions before we drop the Musk story, any predictions for what's going to happen? Stardust in the DMs, you told me that you don't really think that there's going to be that much uh, change. Elon did talk about there being algorithmic, uh, uh, a freeing of the algorithm, so to speak. Yeah, so, I think yeah. transparency is always a good thing. Um, yeah, I, I, think, um, I think transparency is a good thing. As far as, like, are there going to be, like, monumental changes beyond that? I I. I don't really know. I tend to like just look at businesses, the like business is business, right? Um, hopefully he's buying it because he has some really good ideas beyond just um, uh, just, um, you know, uh, the transparency thing. Like hopefully he has a couple more ideas beyond that. Um, and he is a good businessman, so I trust him to at least have something else. But um, I like in most scenarios, I would say that like, I don't know if the average consumer is going to see much of a difference in the way that they use the platform. Mm. So it's funny how the first night you had like a bunch of old right wing accounts come back and they like started posting like, um, like, you know, the usual stuff as you can imagine. And they like all got banned because they're like, no, like, no, it, it's not, <laughs> they didn't clear out the jannies yet. So that was fun. Um, mm. So, well, I Eigenbot, what do you think? Is uh, Stardust right on this? Is it just going to be like a regular business? I don't know. I mean, you know, assuming it even goes through, he's got months to, to cancel it beforehand for a, you know, relatively low cost. And, um, you know, I, he's pulled out of deals like this before. Um, you know, if he buys it, like, I'm, I kind of expect he's going to have a good time and everybody's going to pay even more attention to what he's saying. And um, how is the platform going to change? I don't know. It's hard to change the way the companies work. He he might actually end up having a hard time 
tweaking Twitter to make it work more effectively um, while, while still making money. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, maybe he doesn't care about making money. And it does seem like Twitter is pretty suboptimally run right now by the current management. So, mm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm, nope. I'm happy to just wait and find out. There we go. So that's uh, the end of the Elon Musk conversation. I know we mentioned <laughs> the abortion. Yeah, because I want to get into the abortion situation right now. I know I'm saving the best for last, right? No, Gio? we've so, been going yes. on too long. I've no, been... well, the last thing, though, I'm just curious. Oh, so Stardust, I don't want to make a whole big thing of that out of the way. We're already kind of towards the end. Maybe this would be a cliffhanger for a potential other episode of BTR. I think, Stardust, oh. you, are, you, are very, you are very lovely and wonderful, and I really appreciate you spending time in here. And shout out to all the Twitch watchers of Stardust, subscribe to BreakTheRules.tv. That's the YouTube site. And we are on Twitch as well at twitch.tv slash BreakTheRules, but with a number three. I'm going to post it in the chat right now. But anyway, mm -hmm. Stardust, um, what is your position on abortion? Bam! I think you can uh, <laughs> So I think, um, I think uh, like it's definitely like a hard decision to make um personally like from the studies that i've seen uh um there's like this uh there's this really good study that they did um it, it's called like the turnaway study and it's basically it follows like a thousand women who were turned away from getting abortions um and what that meant for their lives afterwards uh and so i think um based on 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 that study um i I think that it needs to be something that is available to a lot of women. Um, obviously, it's not like an optimal decision to make. I don't think it's something that people make easily. Um, and even with like, um, I, I don't know, even with like, uh, like, like late term ones, uh, like late term abortions generally are, are ones that happen because of medical issues. But um, as like abortion in general, I do think it's it's something that needs to be available as a service to a lot of women. And maybe one day when we have like um, artificial wombs, maybe abortions won't have to result in the death of a child. Right. But um, unfortunately, mm. right now we don't have that. So. Well, there is a thing with artificial wombs that I recall Geo posting. I don't know if it was Geo who posted that uh, that retweet of one of the Globe Twitter people talking about uh, artificial wombs. Globe Twitter, from what I understand, what does Globe Twitter mean? I know Bastiat, who I really want to get on Break the Rules real soon. We're in communication right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, baby. Uh, but um, what what does Globe Twitter mean? Just just. Dude, dude, no, you're perfect for that. Okay. Well, Twitter is like the yeah. neolibs, right? Yeah. Neolibs, like okay. An ironic neoliberals. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. But with the artificial womb thing, I want to get into that just a little bit. Not so much of the, the abortion thing, but one thing quick from Eigen. You had a very spicy thread. You have a very hot take, the conservative take for abortion. Can you, uh, ca can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so, I mean, it's really simple, um, really, really quite elementary. Basically, um, banning abortion would devastate conservatism. Reason being, once abortion is banished, it, it's very likely that, you know, like people don't make decisions in a vacuum. It's not like people couldn't respond to no longer having abortion as an option. And what seems to me to be the most likely response of, of women to abortion being banned is doubling down on on hormonal contraceptives right i mean like if you don't want children and if you're having sex like you know assuming you want to have sex 
I guess, um, you know, like you want to make sure that you're, you're not going to get pregnant. And so, you know, I, I think you could see women like the number of women taking hormonal um, contraceptives increasing dramatically, you know, maybe even taking double doses, who knows, who knows, you know, with all this, with all the misinformation out there, I mean, people, people do crazy things, even with labels. So one problem with this is that hormonal contraceptives have all sorts of, you know, psychological effects on, on women who take them. Um, this is understudy. There are problems with dosing of, of hormonal contraceptives. Um, you know, whether, whether you weigh like 90 pounds or, or 250 pounds, you get the same dose and, and, you know, um, the, the response of your system to various varying concentrations of hormones, um, is, is varies quite wildly. And, you know, hormones have, have major effects on people's moods and their behaviors and their views on life. And there's, there's a pretty plausible story that, you know, um, the, that, that, that women might, you know, end up even, even leaning even more, more left and more toward, you know, the sorts of so solutions and, and modes of government that have existed before. But what I think the real problem is, is that as large numbers of women start taking hormonal contraceptives and, you know, quantities much greater than before, a, a major issue is that um, it's going to make it more difficult for male to female transitions via ingested hormones. And, this is going to devastate the right because of the trans woman, you know, brain trust that 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 exists and and really what? understands most of neo reaction. And Whoa, so I mean, like with, I mean, like it's just going to hollow the movement <laughs> out. And I, I think they're really in trouble. <laughs> Holy crap! Oh, you had me. You had me. That was that was good. That's amazing. No, um, uh, well, logically, well, no, for the, for, you for, need for, to ban both. Well, no, no. For the first part, though, uh, Stardust being the only uh, uh, birthing person on this panel. Right? <laughs> I can't get over that. It's so unfortunate. A lot of NRX spaces, there happens to be... Never mind. Never mind. For, for, Twitter, for yeah. uh, YouTube purposes, we will take yeah. that. But uh, I, again, that... Oh, my God. <laughs> I yeah I know Stardust any thoughts yeah yeah um I guess just yeah my my thoughts are um uh, you know there are a bunch of outcomes you can look at with that study um uh, uh where not only did denying this person abortion an abortion um like affect their life in a negative way it also affected their pre-existing children's lives in a negative way and also um, put them and their pre-existing children and the unborn child in actually more danger. So um, so there there are a lot of things that you can look at as far as outcomes when it comes to banning abortion. Obviously, we should be um, we should be putting things into place that like support people so they don't need to turn to to abortion. But um, but as it is right now, it still needs to be an option that's available to women. And um, and I think um, in a lot of these places where you see a lot more abortions actually is because of the lack of um, uh, uh, access to contraceptives. Um, but um, overall, I'll probably be talking more about the Roe v. Wade stuff um, in depth in the next uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, it's probably going to be like a huge thing over the next week in Twitch mm. politics. So, yeah. 
There we I, go. That's that's how. That's why you get the big bucks, Stardust. You know yeah. how to. Uh... Well, uh, yeah. On Wednesday, I'm planning on doing a pretty big stream in depth on the history and uh, around like the outcomes around these things and things that people can do if, if they're concerned that's so, and stuff like everybody that. Everybody, subscribe to Stardust. Look, look. We have to do the dimensional merge of uh, the Twitch and YouTube oh, communities. No, that's we, yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Which is why. Which is why I want to bring in uh, well certain people. But anyway, this is why you guys have to subscribe to stardust uh stardust uh lovely wonderful uh person i really appreciate you being here as well as eigen robot and uh yeah i love conversations like this so to well, end if this I can yes that study the problem okay. is that well first of all the idea that you have kids then you have an abortion after is kind of like fucked up to my to me i mean it's like again this is the consuming mother archetype but anyways i think the problem is that you're doing this study in a society that ha already has abortion, therefore there isn't enough time for women to correct certain behaviors to co accommodate the fact that abortion is either totally outright banned or restricted. So if you're, that's what I mean, like this is going to be probably a gradual process. I don't think things will radically shift. I think it's just going to accelerate the already existing trend of red states completely banning it and blue states becoming infanticide factories but that's you know says okay oh, say that on, on youtube i'm sorry but or let's on twitch that that's the bigger question oh, yes, yes, keep in mind course. stardust is but, uh, streaming no, this uh, as well i don't so. think it's a i don't think it's a huge yeah. deal yeah. all right no but my point being is that if the problem is that you're taking already existing um an environment in which abortion is legal and then denying it to them and then that creates all sorts of problems because you don't have the integration of that, you know, type of behavior around what is it like going, what is it going to be like when abortion isn't immediately uh, accessed? And I think that you will see actual material changes, hopefully, God willing, material changes in people's behavior around reproduction if you restrict abortion. As for Eigen's point, the first point, the second point was a troll, but there is quite a, quite a lot of trans people in NRX, hey, mm. you know? I just, I just reality. don't know. I just don't first know. In this point, case, in this case, kind of like, okay, go on, go on. My first point of, I would say that in some ways, uh, you have to tolerate, a, from my perspective at least, you have to tolerate a lesser evil for a greater evil. So that could be a response. Of course, you know, when it comes, there's huge issues with hormonal birth control, and the normalization of it. It's been absolutely devastating to women in a variety of ways. And there's information, there's medical information, of its detriments that are purposefully hidden. Uh, it's linked to cancer and so forth because we, the pill is literally the nuclear bomb of human relations. It is the thing that has changed more about the nature of humanity than even the Gutenberg press in a lot of different mm. ways. So yeah. that is why they I, don't I, want to. I should Go be ahead. clear. Yeah. In, in, in that thread that I was like, I, I don't know that I stuck the delivery this time, but um, yeah, I mean like, in all seriousness, like the entire thread was sort of a joke, but yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I think the supply of estrogen is is probably pretty well established, and like, you know, yeah. I, I'm sure it could respond pretty well um, to to an increase in mm -hmm. demand. But like, um, most mostly, I just wanted to make a conservative case for abortion that was 
more interesting. But you mean, I like mean, the all of that review, like the conservative case. Yeah, yeah well, but the, you yeah. know more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the the last thing, uh, the last thing, guys, that I want to uh, get into here, which I touched on before going to the super chats. Which, by the way, sneed those super chats if you want me to read the super chats uh, towards the end here. But the last thing was the artificial womb thing that Stardust mentioned. There was a thread about it, and even though Geo and I disagree quite a lot on the solutions to the problems, one problem that Geo and or somebody else may have hinted at is that when we take away the ability of um, people to experience certain things that human beings experience, to have it just be like you know clicking on the Amazon button and having a baby delivered to you, you know through these artificial means how much of that would result in us losing our humanity? Not to say that I want people to undergo pain. I'm very thankful that uh, the kind of ways that uh, women give birth today has been, you know, decreasing the pain, having, you know, uh, far less of uh, the instances of the children dying, the mother dying, so that's all great. But the question is, how much pain and suffering do we have to take away just from everyday tasks to the point where we cease to be human beings. It's more of like a philosophical question, I guess, but uh, Stardust, what do you think? How much pain and suffering do we have to take away from everyday tasks to, you're saying, no yeah, longer to see, like, be humans? Yeah, yeah, exactly. How much um, of humanity is having to undergo certain uncomfortable things? And again, when I say that, I am not advocating at all for like pain during childbirth, but I'm just saying in general, having yeah. to do some uh, tasks. We've been that, augmenting... Yeah. We've been augmenting our bodies um, for a long time. If you wear glasses, if you wear contacts, you already are like taking part in in some form of like transhumanism, right? Um, you're like, I wear contacts. My eyes were not, uh, you know, meant to see real well, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody is is. Um, you know, some people have heartburn, they take medication for it. So we've already like done so many things that augment our bodies. Our cell phones have almost become like an extension of us because we like use yeah. it for like um, every every type of thinking process possible. Um, so um, so if you want to make this argument like about artificial wombs, like I would say that we've we've already been less human for a while, right? Or we're a different type of human. So I would say, Let's, yeah, I would say that we've already been. I mean, mm. what is a hip replacement, right? Like when you get old enough, well, you're gonna have to get a hip replacement. Yeah, but well, I mean, here, here, here's, that here's is where a I can debate in academia yeah. with prosthesis. Eigen, you probably know um, mm. some of this research, well, but is yeah. it overcoming as a, a natural? Oh yeah, as a robot. <laughs> <laughs> I think the argument is: is it overcoming? a deficiency of the body, a form of transhumanism, either as an ideology or as an experiential technology that can expand the, um, what is it in philosophy they call it? Uh, the extension, the res extenda of the self. Or mm. is it that you were just replacing something that is already naturally there and it's aiding in the lessening of suffering of others? Mm. But then is but then the transhumanists would argue that um, there is sort of like a creation of greater lessenings of suffering to the point where if you become um, a purely cybernetic or cyborg being, 
that's a mm. qu- that's a good thing because then you're and not that's a good thing. We already managed like the issues around childbirth, though, right? Like we've already managed yeah. like a lot of childbirth to make it like um have less mortality, um sure, to have right. like better infant like mortality, um better mother mortality, right? We've already done this. Um, we've that, already done but it. But the argument with... is then, what is it? When when is the line that we are going to distort? the picture of the human subject to such a fundamental degree that it's not about alleviating suffering. It's rather the creation of very lurid artificial needs, such as, I don't know, downloading your brain into a computer, which I think is impossible, but like, for I mean, is wearing glasses like a, is wearing glasses like unnecessarily like, um, reducing, reducing like hardship for yourself. Maybe like Greek thoughts just- though. I mean, yeah, well, maybe, I mean, yeah, that, that could be your thought or is, I don't know. Um, I, I think uh, it comes down to human willpower. So, for example, there was, um, who was that philosopher, uh, Socrates, who was talking about how it's bad that writing was invented. Because according to him, it people, yeah, it atrophies the ability to remember things. And, uh, you know, back in the day, people were just telling each other stories, so they had to use their memory much more to keep track of, like, all of these different stories. So I think there is something to the idea of utilizing human willpower as opposed to having something being done for you. For example, let's say if instead of waking up on your own willpower of, oh, man, I got to get up, I got to get the day started, you would have some kind of an exoskeleton that would open your eyes, kind of like Wallace and Gromit contraption, you know, where it would just, like, carry you around from one room into another. It would carry you into the workplace. It would think for you. It would do everything for you. And at that point, what is the point of doing anything? Either this life, either there's a reason for existence or there's no reason for existence. There can't be both. So if you if use there, an alarm yeah. clock... If you use an alarm clock, are you not like, you know, like why can't you to just an wake extent, up on your own? To an extent, it's a matter of degrees here. So I agree with you. Like, look, I'm wearing glasses. There's no way for me to say that I'm, you know, a living embodiment right now of everything working uh, correctly. But there are certain degrees, and I think that's kind of like what we're here for: is to kind of distinguish between what is an extreme degree and what is an allowable degree. And I think the glasses and um, not having the pain of childbirth, that is definitely an allowable degree. And there is something that I um, find from women who have undergone, you know, the birthing of a child, that there is a very special experience there, almost like, for example, for men of certain tribal societies, they have certain ceremonies when they become a man. And they have to undergo a certain thing, and when they undergo that thing, it changes them. And the women who I've spoken to describe the actual process of having this baby, you know, come out of you and having this connection when you take that away and just have like an Amazon, you know, buy button and the baby, you know, there's something, it feels like we are robbing ourselves of something that gives us a hint that there is something more to existence than just uh, consuming. But I don't know. That's just me. I mean, the artificial womb, um, uh, I'm not sure how it would work. I'm sure that there would probably still be some of the pregnancy that would have to be carried out like in the mother. Right. Um, and then at some point, then you would like move that, I don't know, that baby from the, from the mother's womb to like the artificial womb. Right. But I'm just, I'm just proposing it as like a possible alternative to like eventually abortions. Right. Um, so abortions don't have to. Mm. 
you know, well, result abortions in don't happen to uh, be needed right now. If uh, let's say you could have that old, you know, leaving at the fire station, you know, leaving the baby at the firehouse, you know, that old trope. But the idea uh, being that there are places, the, yeah, yeah, but the state leaving you like having the state as your parent is is a lot of the times like a I don't True. know, not a good life for a lot of no, people. No, no, I, I agree. And that yeah. is also why it's a, kind of a shame, I think, that we don't have more organizations out there, like more, I don't know, church-based organizations, some organizations that I think would do a better job at this kind of stuff. But uh, I don't know. But anyway, let us go to the Super Chats. I really appreciate Eigen well, Robot and Stardust for being here. Unless you get Eigen's unless... opinion on uh, oh, um, yes, yes. Ulamite exo wounds. That's true. Being a robot yourself, I'm sure you have uh, some uh, thoughts here. So before we or go to Super Chats, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you mentioned Socrates, but maybe a better philosopher to think about in this case would be Heraclitus, right? Oh, yeah. Like, um, you know, so so like this is this is just like the human of of Theseus, like, all right, so suppose that, you know, you replace your arm with, you know, a robot imitation arm, right? And so now you're sort of a cyborg, I guess, but like, you would still be identifiably human. But you know, you like, you just continue replacing one body part after another. And now like, everything in your body is artificial. Are you still a human? I mean, like, at what point, at what point do you stop being the same being or even stopping the same human? And I, I mean, like, you know, ship of thesis is, I, I, it's complicated. And like, what do you even make of this? Like the, the ontology is challenging, but I think, you know, to the extent that there's like a more and a less of being human, like you, you get into this question of like, what is being human even really when you think about it? And like, I don't know, it's not really clear. There's an answer to me. I, I do think that as far as artificial wombs are concerned specifically, you know, as someone who recently had a kid, my my impression yeah thank you she's great mm -hmm. um yeah you saw her earlier yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah i mean like you know I, I i i'd let my wife speak to this but i mean my my impression mm -hmm. from her being pregnant was that the the pregnancy itself was actually pretty important to her and in just the way that she sort of bonded with you know with the baby in utero and you know just sort of the the series of absolutely wild hormonal changes that she experienced over the course of pregnancy and i think that was I mean, so, so I think that was important. And, you know, if you're going to rely on artificial wombs, you, my guess is you would want to find some way of, of compensating for that or mimicking it or something in, in, you know, a mother, yeah. even, you know, without the pregnancy itself. Mm. Um, but I mean, at the same time, you know, there are a lot of people who want to have kids who are just not capable of doing so yeah. right now. And there are, there are approaches like surrogacy that, you know, work and um, also have their own, their own ethical issues for some people. Oh, yeah. um, so, I mean, you know, like it, it seems like a net win, although I, I can also see some really creepy uses for it. Mm. Um, I, I'm imagining some, I, I can think of ways to exploit horrible uses for these things, which, you know, I don't really endorse, but you could, you could imagine it. So yeah. I don't know. It's, it's all complicated. I, I think like the main thing is that um, I think people are over indexed on, um, you know, like information technology right now. And while that's pretty impressive, like all the stuff that's happening with IT right now is, is very impressive. Like biology is a huge sleeper. I, I mean, a while ago I interviewed at a company, I think they might be defunct at this point, certainly not under an NDA. Um, but you know, for, for say embryo selection, um, I'm not sure how people have, how familiar people are with this, but I mean, you know, coming up with the, I think direct gene editing is still out of reach, 
but there are approaches that you can take to identify you know, um, a, a given offspring and, and sort of make predictions about what traits that person will have that are very well developed and, and more or less approach, um, you know, kind of like Gattaca levels of, <clears throat> you oh, know, shit. and, 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 um, also incidentally, I mean, depending on, on your views of abortion, um, some of these methods involve creating absolutely breathtaking numbers of, of embryos incidentally. So like, you know, um, the, there are still some, there are still some problems with it. Like there are certain traits that are very, you know, where it's very hard to predict outcomes for, for these traits. And, it, you know, I don't know how quickly that sort of a problem is going to be solved in terms of like making true designer babies, but, um, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. the, the future with respect to biology is really weird. And I think people are not prepared for that. It's a brave new world. I think out we there. need a Butlerian jihad. We need to get rid of it all. Smash it. Geo, Geo, have some respect for the butlers. They have to uh, do a lot of work <laughs> for the rich people, and here you want a Butlerian jihad. Anyway, I love, by the way, this comment over here from Glass Cake. I am transhuman because I wear cool hats. <laughs> okay, yeah. so anyway, let us go over here to. Oh, and there was a great comment. I was looking at the Twitch chat over here. A lot of wonderful people here from uh, uh, from uh, Stardust's uh, camp. Everybody, by the way, from Star. Artist camp subscribe to break the rules.tv go to the youtube channel help this thing grow because we are bringing everybody together we're bringing the left we're bringing the right we are bringing professionals like we had 6x and hammer 666 on with jessica deloach who worked for pete Buttigieg. she was the assistant to his husband and that was a dumpster fire of a stream but it was incredible the point is is that you're never going to have these kind of interactions we had a uh, anywhere from else Davos. we did yeah that's right for uh, the great reset conversation so anyway, uh, let us go to the um, let us go to the dashboard uh, for the uh, super chats and final thing, uh, Stardust. I would love to have you uh, back on, and there would be a very interesting stream that we could have with you and Lord Miles, who you recently did a uh, stream about. Uh, Lord Miles has been on BTR several times, and I think oh, that really? would be yeah, that would be a very interesting conversation. That would be interesting, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd be down to come on again. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry for if I was too combative. I'm just a. Oh, this person. is. We need this. We need oh, the combativeness. No, you know how to. Uh, you know the kayfabe well. Anyway, let us go. Let us go into the. Um, uh, Look at Ralph Emil uh, in the chats. chat. <laughs> Leave my wife Nora alone. Listen, <laughs> Stardust looks way better than Nora. Okay, I can't get out of here with that shit. All right. Thanks. All right. Here we go. No, <laughs> no S Sardis, you are you you are beautiful inside and out, and there's a lot of people out there. I don't know who Nora is, but you are very I well thought out. I shouldn't saw Nora are... because she put up with a lot being married to the gun, so I yeah. can't. Uh, no, no, no. What, what I want to say, what I want to say here is that Stardust, you are you know you're very smart. You're a very smart individual, and I really appreciate that you uh, you know like throw back things that people say and uh, have a nice back and forth about it. I think that's a really <laughs> good quality. So anyway. Thank you. You're welcome. Anyway, uh, here we go. Uh, Massive McGee, two pounds. Is this Sargon of Akkad? I don't remember what Massive McGee is referring to now. That was like way, way in the past. Uh, uh, Kroin kicks. 
two dollars i was radicalized by btr so i mean yeah this is the thing we have a lot of very very online ding 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 i know people want me to say that word very online terminally online we have these people who are from the twitter space who from what i hear a lot of the twitch leftists are scared of so here you get to have a meeting of the minds you get to speak with a lot of these people see what's on their mind but honestly i want more classical liberals on personally anyway uh medium raw five dollars if twitter is a schizophrenia simulator 4chan is a schizophrenic hyper reality that prepared me to mock and laugh at the simulator there you go <laughs> that's, that's true tux loves you two dollars no uh chat thank you very much tux michael snagurski hrk 8999 what is this let me see if this is something i should uh, praise HRK is, let's um, see 1253 us dollars not bad oh, i'm not gonna say anything bad about nice. that thank you so much i really appreciate that what, what currency is that that's a uh hong is it hong kong i'm not exactly sure let me take a look at it uh, that currency is croatia there oh. we go wow look at that croatia nice. All the way from Croatia. Uh, and, you mean uh, Greater Serbia? <laughs> oh oh no! Oh oh! He's never given us a super chat. Again. Don't start! Don't start international <laughs> incident here, Geo. Eigen, mm. I send important information about Hillary Clinton to your DMs. <laughs> so it will be safe there. Oh man! Yes, Croin kicks two dollars. Oh, by the way, Geo, I think you have something on again. Uh, Croin kicks two dollars. Bleach just tastes so good. Uh, I gotta watch that anime, by the way. Uh, Bleach. I've I've been on One Piece. I know Stardust. Are you into anime? Do you like any anime? Not really. I don't really follow that. But yeah. All right. Well, you never know what's gonna happen in the future. Anyway, those are all the super chats. <laughs> Currently, you, you could yeah. lie about that, and that would go super far. Which <laughs> all of the little simps will be like, eh, my favorite. Who says I want simps? Who says I want simps? You think See, I, I'm the type of person who wants simps? You're resisting the simp trap. That's yeah, funny. exactly. Exactly. No simps yeah. allowed on my channel. No, I know, Stardust, you're, so you're, you're not going to LARP as a perfect anime waifu. That's no. good on you. Yeah. No, Stardust, uh, Stardust runs a tight ship. I noticed in that stream with Lord Miles, there was somebody who was saying something she didn't like. Bam! Gone. Time out. Run a tight ship. I appreciate that. That's a yeah. good, uh, good leadership quality. Anyway um those are all the super chats i really appreciate everybody being here everybody subscribing one last thing listen guys if you want to see more streams like this first of all first of all any plugs stardust you have your twitch what else would you like to plug stardust uh i'm on youtube uh you should check it out i split my time about 50 50 between twitch and youtube so uh come check me out thanks Come check Stardust out. And also on YouTube, from what I understand, you take the clips from Twitch. Twitch is kind of your mothership. You take the clips from Twitch and you put them on YouTube, kind of like the best stuff. Would that be the right assessment there? Like uh, uh, Sometimes I do that. Sometimes, yeah. Mm, okay, well, we'll uh, see. Maybe that's something BTR could try out for someone's. But uh, anyway, I post the link over here. This is the YouTube link in the chat. That's going to take you to Stardust's uh, channel, as well as follow Stardust on Twitter as well. And that is twitter.com slash tweets from star for all the audio listeners right now i gotta spell it out because btr is everywhere we are on twitch we are on d live we are on uh what was that uh odyssey so as well as the audio platforms we are on apple we're on uh um 
uh, Spotify, every everywhere, everywhere. That's the key. We got to get out there anyway. So be sure to follow Stardust on uh, Twitter as well. Here is that now, link. Again, and Joe. hold on, Geo. Hold on, oh. Geo. Soon. Uh, Patreon. Any Patreons for you, Stardust? Uh, no, no Patreons. No. <laughs> All Just, right. Uh, YouTube and Twitch. Thank you. All right, YouTube and Twitch. Eigenbot. Don't worry, Gio. We're going to get to you. Eigenbot. What would you like to promote, brother? Um, I'm going to... I don't actually sell anything online, so I'm going to promote Will and Ariel Durant's Story of Civilization. 11-volume history of uh, Civilization. Fantastic. Check it out. Nice. And also be sure to you have uh, a follow... Sub -stack, right? Follow... Yes, follow Eigenbot's Substack at Eigenbot. Uh, e i g e n r o b o t dot substack dot com. So be sure to be sure to <laughs> I follow. Forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so here you follow go. Follow me on Substack as well. That's right. Follow so, Geo on Substack. What is the Substack address for you, Geo? Um, is it Janet Productions or is it uh, Geo's content? Geo's Content Corner. But also follow my Twitter, Janet Productions. Tomorrow. Maiden episode of Content Minded Podcast with uh, King Salmonfish is my first guest. So that'll be great. That's we right. talked about it's it's total schizo uh, <laughs> stream. No, it's great. I love King Salmonfish. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, so there you go. Go to my YouTube there channel. There we go. Productions. Um, and, and also uh, follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash levpo, L-E-V, PO. I'm going to be posting uh, posting more art. I'm going to be posting more uh, weird dreams that I have. And uh, yeah, I am going to change reality by bringing these amazing people together through the process of BTR. This is the alchemical transformation that is happening right now. Anyway, uh, I think this is all except for patreon.com slash break the rules. So listen, if you guys enjoy the show, be sure to become a patron at patreon.com slash break the rules. A lot of good stuff is going to be in it for you if you join. First of all, for the $5 patrons, you are going to have access to the Patreon-only streams that are going to be done. You are going to have access to a special privilege in the Discord. Speaking of which, hey, I know all the Twitch people love Discord, so here is the Discord link for Break the Rules. That's right. I am opening the floodgates because you know what? I love Stardust's audience. I could already tell it is going to be a great bunch of people who are going to be joining Discord and making the dimensional merge happen. Here is the Discord link. I just posted it in the chat right now. So mm -hmm. be sure to join that. And for the uh, $15 patrons, no, what am I talking about? For $20 patrons, you're going to get very beautiful woodcrafts created by my father, Alexander Polyakov. These are high quality. These are not your uh, average woodcrafts. These are high quality works made out of high quality material and these are magnets to be specific so if you are a fan of refrigerator magnets but think like most magnets are cheap check these babies out here i'm gonna i'm gonna make this uh, big on the screen stardust i wish you could see it it is on the uh, screen right here though so the people could see it who are watching and for 30 dollars, you are going to get a beautiful print from uh, Giovanni Panicietti from the TFW No GF series here. You could see it in action. Ignore the Patreon link. That's the old Patreon link, but you can see it in action over here. And for $50, you are going to get all of the above, except that the uh, wood carvings are going to be custom. So if you want a wooden magnet that is a custom wooden magnet, now is going to be your chance when you become a $50 patron. Yeah, I really wish Stardust you well, could see forget. one of them. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've been looking at the... Uh, oh, yeah. all right, nice, nice. You'll also get a poster print of any That's episode right. uh, headline. You will get another painting by me in Bob Ross, Bob style, Ross. smaller painting. You will get a... It was the Warhammer... Yeah, yeah, they're, they're yeah. still on, they're still on. Warhammer 40K figure painted by our friend Jules P. Hamilton. And uh, what else is there for the $50? I forget. Yeah. Our eternal undying love. And yeah. last thing, just so you know, though, you have to be a patron for about half a year in order to get the uh, the uh, wood stuff. All right, I just want to say that out loud because I don't want it to be a matter of like, oh, patron for like a day. And then, yeah, you, you get the idea. So anyway, I really appreciate everybody watching. Stardust, Eigenrobot, really enjoyed this. Uh, I will keep you abreast of what is happening for uh, next, uh, for, for a Thursday, because usually Break the Rules streams every Tuesday and Thursday, but I have to get a confirmation. Let me check the email if I got a confirmation. But uh, anyway, we are then going to have a couple of uh, people who I can announce. We are going to have Chud Logic coming in, and that is going to be versus Tyler Hamilton, and is going to be talking about like the uh, post-liberal political philosophy of Tyler's. What is and... Chud Logic? What does he do? Chud, I love that name, Chud. Uh, Stardust, can you? Uh, uh... He's a. I love Chud Logic. He is a great guy. Um, he. He pretty much does political content on Twitch, pretty much commentary, a lot of commentary. He's more of like a commentary guy, I would say. Um, and so how does he lean politically? Or? He's uh, he's further left than I am. Um, I believe oh. he's a Marxist, so. Hmm. Oh, but is he like a, a Haas Marxist or like a... No, no, he's not like a Haas Marxist. He's like, oh. um, I, I don't know how Anton? to describe him. I don't know what, I, I have no idea. I just know that he's a Marxist, yeah. <laughs> so and then we have a uh, thursday june 2 alexander bard meets uh, luke smith i know a lot of people are excited about that so be Whoa. sure to check be sure to check that one out so and the when couple are they going to talk past each other <laughs> and a couple of other things that i'm not going to announce yet but yeah. you guys are going to see so there we go this is the end of the stream i really appreciate everybody watching once again be sure to add the subscription right now subscribe to breaktherules.tv much love for stardust's audience and uh, that's it. Thank you guys so much. I'm ending it right now. Have a good have a good day. God bless. Peace. Have a good Goodbye. one. Goodbye. Take care.